Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from Messiah, Odette, Madlib, and one double-named album, Jared James. But before we get into this episode 18, let me say hello to a man who's equal parts exhausted and ecstatic from having done a studio pack down and moved to a new space. We're recording tonight's show in his new digs in the Hope Street Recording Precinct in Brunswick, Melbourne, Australia. Arik, I'm looking around. I'm seeing synths. I'm seeing pianos. I think I saw a uh, an Apollo racked up in the other room, but what I'm not seeing is lava lamps. Thank you, Waza. Look, it's a really, really good point. Um, it has been a really, really busy weekend and um there was kind of a moment where i really had to sort of juggle and go what what is going to be functional and what's going to work and it really was all the microphones or the lava lamp um decision <laughs> is there a mic locker in here there isn't there currently is not a mic locker in right. fact i think all we've basically got all the mics out at this uh at this phase and three of them are being used right and now three of them are being used right now right okay um but look very very busy weekend um moving i think everyone says moving's the same as like burying a close relative it's it's about as stressful as things get well they do say a change is as good as a holiday as well uh, that's also true so mm, if ecstatic you, and exhausted yeah so if you would if you could combine change is as good as a holiday and moving is as bad as um burying a close relative somewhere in the middle i'm somewhere in the middle there <laughs> um but look it was good uh you know got it all done um i brought my blue curtain um from from the other studio it's, it's just in there oh, um and we we spent some time looking for the stud in the wall and found <laughs> you that and you need a stud finder you do need a stud fi- finder and then in fact i was told uh yesterday that um uh, so someone who was telling me that they did have a stud finder and, and I should have asked. Yep. And, then, a, um, and then I was like, well, why didn't you find me? And uh, mm. I thought that was a pretty good joke. In fact, it was actually, it was my girlfriend. She said, I've got a stud finder. And I was like, damn oh, right, you've you got a stud finder. <laughs> yep. Okay. We don't normally do jokes like that. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Um, what about you, Was? How are you? Dude, I, I'm just thinking that... Um, what, do, what can we just go back to lockdown? Like, I did. What was like? Was like life actually like this before? I don't know. Lockdown? I have no because idea. I don't like it, man. I'm, it, I'm not into it. What, what What is it that you're not into? I'm not into work. I'm not into that at all. I'm not into like taking my kids to football and yep. basketball <laughs> and gymnastics and all that shit. I'm not into. I'm not into a whole lot of stuff. I'm not into doing this podcast live. Like, I'm into doing it doing by it a podcast at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. That was good too. I could drink, you know, I could just roll off into the hot tub afterwards and then, you know, it was good. I just, ah, oh, well, maybe I'm stressed. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. And like, as the El Capitano of this episode, yeah. my prep for this week is just, you know, like I've got notes, but I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe we need to somehow like, design a, a, a third wave <laughs> well, you know maybe you could surf that third I could, wave i could do that as look 
I, w- I was having a barbecue. Uh, well, well, we can have barbecues. I had a, bar- I had a paella day on, yeah, on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, you told me about that, actually. And uh, How was? It was magnificent. There was paella. There was tortilla. There was like spiced mussels. There was anchovies on, on bread. It was <laughs> so good. So good. Anyway, my... Um, my friend is a is a respiratory specialist, and he said, "Oh, I'm really sorry, I can't come today, because um I'm in the I'm in the COVID ward at Daniel. We just got eight new cases, and so I won't be able to make it, and you probably won't be able to have a bar- barbecue tomorrow." And I'm like, I shit myself, and he said, oh, "Obviously, I'm joking, but like that's how quickly these things can start." So, so, so perhaps you can just go to your friend's place, like go to his workplace, and <laughs> that's right. You know, mm. get out of all of your responsibilities. Anyway, I, I think there's a lot to be said about what happened last year. Um, a bit less busy um, is definitely in my wheelhouse going forward. I don't like. I've got a big gig coming up this weekend. Oh at yeah, my music bowl with Ryan Munro. With Ryan Munro, and um, there's a song that I had to learn. That's the other thing I'm stressing out about. I've got to play synth bass for like a set, and the song I played the. Uh, song in at about 100 bpm but it's actually at 122 i don't think i can actually play it at 122 so i've sat there for about two hours today like working my finger exercises and it's not happening and rehearsals tomorrow night and it's just going to be fucked the question i have is 110 did you strut did you strut <laughs> are you talking about no the strut tempo no it's 100 which is not a strut and 122 was more in uh, girls on film tempo no i'm too sexy oh right 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 <laughs> Um, enough of that. I mean, look, it's it's good to be here tonight. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh to checking out a couple of Aussie albums. Yeah, absolutely. Um, an old favorite, one of my favorite artists of all time. We're we're checking out his album and and a new artist I hadn't heard of as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. But before we get into it, I think Ari, I'm going to throw to you introduce tonight's guest. Thank you, Waza. So, in keeping with the spirit of exclusively programming our special guests with listeners um to this date the only guests we have other people that have liked our posts on instagram (laughs) we are absolutely thrilled um to be uh sitting with us today um you know one of one of the one of the real standout producers uh currently living in Melbourne, originally from Brisbane. I would like to introduce to our listeners, Mr. Matt Redlick. Welcome to the show. Hey, you guys. How Matt. are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Good You're to be here. so good through my Chilean 1073. <laughs> How did you find out about this podcast, by the way? Or I you- think it was when you guys were, were reviewing the Husky album and someone sent a text mes- message around with, uh, you know... The word's out. Check People this are talking out, about you know, it. This, and, and then, you know, I was obviously flattered with <laughs> with that, as you have to be. Um, but, uh, you know, then I found myself listening to the rest of it and actually kind of agreeing quite a lot with what a lot wow. of people were saying and, and, and enjoying that. You know, I'm a huge podcast listener, um, yep. but I listen to very few uh, local podcasts and, they, they, and well, very few many. music podcasts as well. Yep. Um, maybe like one or two others. You what's know, what's your all, top five podcasts? Oh, man. Yeah, like oh, top three then. 50 maybe. <laughs> oh, really? Um, Okay. Uh, you know, uh, um, we're talking politics. Are we yeah, talking prob- probably Sam Harris's podcast yeah, okay. is is one of my favorites at the moment. Um, Lex Fridman as what's, well. What's what's he? What's the term? He's got a particular. Is he a futurist? Is that what his what his term is? He yeah. What is he? Or I suppose atheist? he kind of is. Yeah. I mean, he is an atheist, but mm. but he's not. He's not. He doesn't bang on about that so much anymore. But right. yeah, he's kind of a. You know, he he's a. Yeah, 
an analyzer of the kind of social situation that we find ourselves in in the world today um, from a from a uh, he tries to be you know sort of rigorously kind of scientific about uh, about it and he uh, he's often trying to pour cold water on a lot of the extremes on both sides um, but uh, yeah quite often find myself listening along and thinking like this should be required listening for everybody mm. who's talking about anything at the moment in the world yeah. in my you know in my own like my own way so yeah so, love him so in i mean as you know as as someone that works with lots and lots of microphones um have you have you deep dived into the kind of um like mic chain <laughs> that is that a big Sam thing Harris for us would be podcasts. using yeah. actually you know there's a i have a bug a bugbear about podcast <laughs> recordings yes. where they use excessive noise reduction and it kind of you, you notice the the uh when you're on headphones which i'm usually you know usually yeah. am you notice that like the 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 universe like implodes every time they stop speaking yeah mm, and, mm. and then it comes back again and you sort of like just dial that back like dial the you know the maximum level back like to 12 db or something so it doesn't sort of i, I hear find you. it really distracting i kind of feel like we might be in the top five percent of tech podcasts because <laughs> well you know, that would be an illustrious title to hold i mean that that would i would really is really, that even a thing do you reckon yeah absolutely like yeah really good podcast the, to the, listen to yeah, sonically yeah the award for for yeah. best recorded podcast <laughs> 2021 as opposed to content yeah, yeah absolutely it's, it's terrible but it sounds so good to listen yeah to. yeah i mean i hate those guys but fuck it's just so clean um <laughs> Speaking of, as Wazza had mentioned, um, this week he decided to bring in a um, an outboard mic pre, uh, which is from Chile. Mm. So uh, we really well, do. Matt's also got one from the uh, same same company. Yeah, mine's in the shop as well. Yeah. So they've, right. they've got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> the repair well, shop. Well, yeah. We're re- we're really looking forward to um, seeing uh, if uh, if the caller line just explodes on Friday um, with with uh, with hopefully um, you know positive feedback about the sound of this week's episode well i well i think the thing is we've only got two channels of 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 mics running through the 1073 so maybe we could get some instagram feedback of which the two mics that went through the 1073 is there a prize maybe involved Uh, maybe they can can have the 1073 and i can go get a new one they can buy it off me (laughs) (laughs) so you know we, it was so funny how we 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 came across you because that Husky album that we listened to, like we, well, one album of the year, like we had an album of the year thing, mm. I think, uh, as you know, and I, oh my god, it was such a beautiful album. And it's funny how we deep dived into that album and we traced it back to you doing the Ainsley Wills right, album yeah. as well, which was also an incredible sounding album. And I just remember thinking at the time, God, how this album sounds so good. Where was it made? And I didn't actually think about that at all hmm. at the time and then when we traced and then the husky album came and i was just like oh my god this is it sounds incredible so congratulations on on those two two works i'm sure there's plenty of others that you're going to tell me about and eric's going to ask about but um yeah awesome stuff thanks yeah look it's a you know you know how it is it's a it's a labor <laughs> of love <It> doesn't often <laughs> translate into so, you know, all the other things you want, but uh, you know, when when you hear people who kind of get what you're doing, it kind of makes it all worthwhile. I think. So, what's your what's your background then? Like, um, you say you're from Brisbane originally. Uh, have you always been a well before um, oh, before, sorry, you, before you get to that? Was it because dark. because uh, uh, I was speaking to Matt actually prior to the show, and oh, I didn't know to do that. And he said, "Well, no," uh, and he said rather than reading off his website, um, perhaps I could just freestyle his bio. So. Um, if if if, I, brief, if I'm sure there's a lot of Powderfinger albums in there. If I may, <laughs> maybe some earlier regurgitated. If I may, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, yeah, if I may. Um, so Matt, 
Matt uh, is originally from Brisbane. Right. Um, when Powderfinger put their first record out, Matt would have been about 13 years old. Yeah, about that, yeah. And he was central to uh, engineering that record mm. as a 13-year-old uh, Prodigy. kid. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, another the, was it the Triffords? Were they from Brisbane? Uh, yeah, that's a bit. That's, no, <laughs> would have been, been they were, they're from WA. Oh, no, there's, there's a from, venue in Brisbane the, called the Triffords. Oh, the go between. Yeah. The go between. The go between. Matt, Matt was uh, probably in utero at that point in, in time, but certainly uh, instrumental in that record. My parents too. told me that I was one of the actual go betweens that, that the, <laughs> the band was named after. So there was some sort of yeah. <laughs> yeah right. um, so uh, look, joke, jokes aside, um, you know, and you can correct the record. We we uh, we often just kind of pull things off the internet. Rarely do we pull something off the internet written by the person who's actually in the room. Mm. So this could potentially be, you know, you can correct the record here if if if, if you need to, Matt. But um, <laughs> basically, grew up. Uh, I understand you grew up in Brisbane. Um, early on, working with acts like Ballpark Music, Hungry Kids of Hungry, um, in your parents' basement. What suburb mm-hmm. was that? In East Brisbane. East Brisbane. Which is just, Ooh, just nice. near the Gabba. That's nice. Oh, yeah. Ball and Gabba. Yeah, just, right, just, just kind of down the road. Okay, yeah. nice. Beautiful. Mm. Um, and then uh, 2012 moved into your own place. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember, I mean, you so know. Well, you had a full studio at your parents' that, place? Well, didn't you also have a studio in an entire house? That yeah, that was, the, that was the place I moved into. It was kind of, a, it was actually like a, an office building that was sort of like this. It was for a, a, a rare timber company. And they built the, the office building at the front of the site out of the strange timbers that they kind of, uh, Brisbane, you know, we're trying I'll to show their what. wares off. And yeah, it was very Brisbane because it was, you know, there was like, you know, industrial factory that way, houses this way, a horse farm that way, yeah. and like a swamp that way sort yeah. of thing. So it was like, and, and it was 10 and minutes from the city, you know. So. That's right. And it could have got flooded at any time. It did, the, yeah. Oh, I, I moved go. in just after the big flood. Right. So, yeah. So um, talk us through that build. Um, I didn't do a heap of like major changes to the place because there were so many rooms in it that you, I could kind of just pick and choose you know where I, where I wanted to be and you know small or large or hallway or whatever so it was just a bit of soundproofing and and security and kind of um vibe mostly vibe stuff cool really um but uh yeah so so I mean moving along 2012 uh so you move into that space and then 2016 was the t- around about the time you went came down to Melbourne yeah but let's yeah. go let's go back before that but I mean what's I mean Brisbane's like the lost city of Atlantis sometimes <laughs> what do you yeah. think of music like you know, trying to get music onto four triple Z or anything going on up there, it's just like seems like such a battle. Like, right. what, what's happening? Like, what you know? Obviously, you've come to Melbourne. What was happening in Brisbane? I think, I think the thing with Brisbane is that it's uh, you could say it punches above its weight a bit, like New Zealand does, or like you know Perth does, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still a small place, and there's just so much more happening down here. There's yeah. so many more sort of like you know people come here to sort of do their dreams whether it's in like food or music or art or uh, web <laughs> web services yeah, yeah, or development you know uh, uh recycling centers or you know whatever it happens to be and uh but the scenes do there are more niches strong. down here there are just more yeah, you know there's you can just there are footholds and and the soil is rich and you know um yeah. so you know you can stay in brisbane and and many people do and just write up there and and uh, do their thing and focus in but I think if you need um, to interact with people mm. the way I do then this is a better place to be for that so yeah that's a nice segue to interacting yeah you know, things like this uh, you know like this is way more likely to happen down here yeah, just yeah. just by existing in Brisbane it's just not so much so so did you have work to come down to when you when you came down or you just thought we're, we're moving I, and that's yeah it? well I, funnily enough 
yeah, I think just as soon as I moved down, Ballpark Music actually wanted to make a record with me in uh, back this, in Brisbane. No, 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 like down here in the studio in Castlemaine, which oh, okay, they picked. Cool. And they were like, "Oh, you're moving to to Melbourne, right? So you'll be nearby. So you know, let's use you." So that was like one of the first things I did, and you know, Holy Holy, who I was um, working with and playing in, and as well, you know, started a new record. So it was. It actually took a while to to get to the point where I was working all with local artists because mm-hmm. you just have that hangover and sort of inertia of people you know. It's just you know, it's mm. all about people who who you know. So, so it's. I mean, just to some of those credits that we've seen on your um, on your bio, obviously working on the Husky record, which which I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about in a minute. Um, Dan Sultan is another artist uh, we've seen you work mm-hmm. with. Paper Kites, Cactus Channel. Yep. Um, Tom Snowden, wow. yeah, Hannah Cameron. Should have read the bio. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. The Cactus Channel, obviously, a bunch of guys super into lo-fi type stuff. Mm. Um, how did how did that go for you? I mean, is that that's kind of your bag, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, they you could say that they were or or are a bit more lo-fi than I was <laughs> than I was sort of anticipating you know, aiming for at that point. But in you know in that in that case, it was mixing um, yeah, stuff cool. they recorded. So it was like dealing with. Um, you know, I, in a way, it might have, it was maybe a good balance because I was trying to like bring out some extension in the low and the high. Mm. You know, from sort of some trashy uh, kind of tracks that they gave me, and I think the result I really I really liked what you know the the mix of the two yeah, yeah. kind of approaches gave. I, I think that some of that was maybe recorded here actually, but uh, as in in this building, or maybe or maybe not. Probably upstairs. Probably no, probably would have been. Oh, it actually, would have been probably recorded yeah, in that. In that, in that room. I think Bob, Bob yeah. recorded that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somewhere yeah, right. it might have been Sing Sing actually, but but uh, but yeah, that was through Sam Cromack. That was an EP they did, and then I ended up mixing the an album for them after that. So awesome! And then one of the guys bought my old console, so he's currently like who's got currently that? tech supporting him, um, trying to help him to fix some of the modules over the yeah. That's amazing. So I got to I mean, you know, it's really cool that we've got you in. Obviously, with Husky's record being, you know. Not, I mean, obviously, brilliantly constructed from a songwriting point of view. But one thing that we both really resonated with, with was just how amazing it sounded. Um, and then going through your um, your your bio, uh, obviously, there was the Westbury Hotel was, uh, I guess, uh, uh, almost like an instrument in that record. Was that right? Well, actually, we didn't record any of that album in the hotel, okay. but but a lot of it was written there, gotcha. and then we did. We did a bunch of live recordings afterwards for, you know, sort of, you know, promotional videos sort of thing of, of some mm. of the tracks in the hotel. Um, and we sort of only, we only really discovered how good that place sounded a few months before it was going to be demolished. Down, yeah. So could you tell us like a, a little bit about what, what is the Westbury Hotel? It's, you know, it's a, it's not really a hotel, um, but uh, <laughs> kind of a share house that worked a little bit almost like a hotel with always having a spare room or a spare couch that you know various people could come and go from from mm. different parts of the world. So there was a big sort of turnover of you know artistic characters of all kinds, and um, it just you know you wouldn't necessarily know it to walk into it the first time, but once we set up some mics in there, uh, it was like this is one of the best sounding rooms I've ever recorded in. Uh, maybe the best sounding room you know wow. without any you know it was like oh we should we should put some treatment there and you know but you, you just end up putting some mics up and you know pressing record and like it just has this uh had that magical ability for everything to be in a space but also clear at the same time all the instrument all, you know the, the people could hear what they were playing but it had a it had a vibe you know it wasn't like a dead room so we ended up i ended up recording you know f- maybe 20 or so songs in the last couple of months for various different wow. artists yeah 
just I, I'll just be like we've got to go and record here like just you know I, I picked some people including Hannah Cameron um that first song that we did was was record the bed was recorded there and it was all on the on their Huskies 388 the eight track yep. tape machine so that was also you know a part of the vibe um so yeah it was a magical combination and I don't know if I'll ever hopefully one day we'll find a place like that well I guess a- uh, you know I mean the question is obviously with the 2012 Renault in Brisbane perhaps you might be you know is would that be like the the Matt Redlick cape of sorts he's the guy that finds the house there was, that sounds amazing there was something to that you know that that building you know that I was in that I call grandma's place in, in Brisbane was there was something similar going on there it also mm. had a big long hallway that you could use you know for all sorts of creative purposes and I, I really miss having how that, do you, that how do you space. go to that though do you just go to the place and go well let's stick up some mics and see what it sounds like or had with, people with that one, recorded I, there i just i just had a feeling with yeah, that right. one um and you know sometimes when you have a feeling about something and then you look for signs and then if you see the signs as well then you know you convince mm. yourself that it's a good idea yeah um but and it, you know it was it was great it had its flaws and but it's it was, free well, yeah. I mean, the hotel was, yeah, yeah. Hotel, yeah. yeah that that's a shame. That, did that, you, that place is gone. Did you? Do, I mean, so you, but a lot of it was done at Woodstock as well, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the, the the whole album was. Yeah, no, none of the actual album itself was done in the hotel, except for the writing and the you know, because just around the corner from Woodstock. But um, but yeah, the album itself was done live tracks at Woodstock. Had you um, been at Woodstock before? You no, that was that my first, What'd you my think first of session. It? Loved it. Yeah. 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 How amazing is it sounding I go back now? there Best. You know, whenever I can now. So. It's sounding incredible because it yeah. never... Well, it's never sounded like that before, but all of a sudden since they've reconfigured it, it's just sounding incredible. I don't well, know what's happened there, uh, but a lot, of, a lot has to do with the engineer, the, the guy that took over the the, the space. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's done an amazing job. Um, oh, in- actually, can I, can I go back for a second? Go so ahead. Rx said Matt's coming in tonight, and he played in the band Holy Holy. And I'm like, on Holy Holy, oh, I've heard of this band. I, don't, I actually don't know much about them. And then I went mm. back and listened to. So oh, I did a massive. Deep, not a massive deep dive, but you know when you start listening to stuff mm. and then you just start going down a like massive rabbit hole, just like. How good is this band? Great this band is amazing. Oh, cool! Like, yeah. like there was like it's like anthemic, you know. It, I mean, music, I, and it's like who who's doing this in Australia? Didn't one this of the, is incredible. Didn't one so, of the Gallagher's come see a show? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's serious that was stuff. a weird moment. That was a weird moment. He he actually tapped me on the after the gig. I think we were all kind of outside drinking, and he he like tapped me on the on the back of the shoulder, and I turned around, and like there's Liam Gallagher standing there, and he said, I can't remember what he said, but it was something like, fuck off, yeah. I was talking to Fuck someone. Off, no, you yeah, that's what you expect. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah, you yeah. expect. Just glass you or <laughs> that's something. Right. But uh, and Give there's nothing story. you can do because like, he's got his security guards. But no, he was actually nice in his in his own weird way. He, yeah. he just, he, I think he, I was talking to someone, and he said something like, he he sort of addressed the other person and was like, uh, um, uh. Uh, you know, you're lucky to be talking to him because he's in a great band or something like that. And I was like, "Whoa, what the f- what just that's, happened, man?" That's amazing. That, that is amazing. Weird. Maybe like bit- this, they're tour- they're doing a national sold out tour at the moment, aren't they? Are you so are you still in playing? The no, band? no, with Holy not for Holy. a couple of years. Holy. Yeah, right. Was yeah, there, they're, we're not looking that there's a tour about to start. Oh, yeah, they're, they're in the happening. middle of the tour when the lockdown happened and it actually okay. really screwed them up. So, right, because they just uh, had the album out in 2019. I saw yeah, that was their. Yep. And then they did a live album at the end of 2019. Yeah, they they did two of that one before the pandemic, but right. um, but yeah, they they just got totally screwed by that five day lockdown because you know various people yep. then couldn't. Uh, I think Tim actually got stranded in in um, hotel quarantine in Tasmania when he came home for two weeks and like yeah nightmares. So. Yeah, well, Ryan was saying the same thing with Cat Empire the other day that um you know the TM was stuck in Perth and a couple of the buyers yeah. were stuck in Melbourne they couldn't get out and it was just. 
It's derailing it's a whole bunch of stuff. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. I had a good Gallagher story. <laughs> um, Better than meeting him? Oh, well, no. This is as close as I got to a Gallagher. Right. Um, so I used to live in a small flat in Elwood and um, a small little art deco place. And I had I used to record artists in that little flat. Mm. And um, I, and the next door, the, the flat that we, I shared a balcony with was an Airbnb. And mm. I, went, I went outside and there was this kind of older guy you know, on the de- on the on the stairwell, and he's like, "Oh, you're doing a bit of music in there, mate." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yep, doing a bit of music." He's like, "Oh yeah, you got a, got a console in there?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no." I was like, "Have you seen the size of these flats?" He's like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, my mate Noel here to ten seventy three, you know, the Neve console in his flat." And I was like, "My mate Noel who had a Neve console." So I was like, like not as in Noel from Oasis, Noel Gallagher. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm the, I'm their front of house guy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. of course, I was like, he's just like my mate Noel. Yeah, yeah. my mate and Noel, like, like Noel who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please right? do tell sir. Yeah, I mean, I was like, it was like one of those moments. A leading question. Yeah. But like the whole thing was a leading everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like he probably do, does it to everybody. <laughs> that's right. Oh my name, Noel loves coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Noel yeah, who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, you listen to the radio. Yeah, my mate Noel. <laughs> Noel is on the radio. My mate Noel is on the radio. <laughs> um, so that was a Noel moment But another Noel moment I had was um, I was uh, No, this was a Liam moment actually mm. Which was also like this real kind of Like It really shook me around the kind of Mythology that we often Kind of project onto these big mm. Big art, big famous artists And um, I was Accompanying my friends who were in the band The Temper Trap mm. On a tour uh, in in Europe I was just basically being a backpacker in their bus mm. And um, and they took me to this festival called Benny Cassim and Is this like, when you were working with Florence and the Machine? This is afterwards <laughs> yes. Afterwards yeah. I was definitely dropping that to all the my friends Noel backstage <laughs> um, And And uh, Basically, yeah, I was I was there hanging out, and then like they had this big backstage area, like you do in a festival, and like and all the bands like had their kind of band name on the yeah. thing, and uh, Liam Gallagher had just launched this new project, which I forget the name of what it was called, BDI or something, BDI or, or something, BDI, yeah, yeah. So Liam Liam was in BDI. I, th- oh, I don't remember that. Which yeah, it was definitely Liam was on the Liam tour. was BDI. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Which was I think was just Oasis, wasn't it? Just yes. Oasis without. Noel, basically. Probably. Like they broke up and they kind of, or something like yes. that anyway. Something yeah. like that. But anyways, I kind of like, I was like walking around the backstage area like early, early in the morning and I just like saw what the room that Liam Gallagher was going to be hanging out mm-hmm. in was. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a bunch of like plastic chairs um, and, you know, like, like, like every, a normal festival. Like backstage. every other room. Yeah. And then I was like, that's fucking weird. And like, you know, um, Johnny Rotten was there with um, Public Image. At this festival oh, too, right. mm. uh, which that was another great story. I'll save that for another episode. I think you should. Um, You've gone with two. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've gone with two yeah. Gallagher stories. Yeah, but anyway, the long lot. story short was like this moment where like you see like this great big rock star, and you see in in um in you know that there was that Oasis documentary, um and and then I saw him backstage just sitting in a shitty plastic chair, just having like boring conversations with his bandmates. And mm. I would have thought he'd just be on the tour bus, wouldn't you think? No, it was just, well, I guess at some point you have to sit backstage, you know? Mm. And I think there, there was, was a period of time where he was like, not exactly doing it tough, but he was not doing it. He was not like living the high life. Right, right, Like he right. would have been before, where he was actually maybe in 
financial trouble or something. Oh, right. Based on this, uh, there was a documentary I saw about it the other day, and that was around the, around the time where I met him as well, and possibly right. around that time. So that's where, where that's where the humility he was came sort of like from. building yeah, it he's up on again. The other side of the <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's coming down. The I mean, yeah, everyone's everyone's humble when they're broke. Yeah. So there he was, just dishing out compliments to I guess Holly Oli. Random Australians. Were you guys opening or was it no, just no, like was he was there? Show, yeah. So he was just there hanging out. No, he was there because no, looking his for, looking girlfriend for a, looking for a job. Yeah, <laughs> from a house. His, job, his girlfriend was doing publicity for for them at that time. Okay, so, cool. And and yeah, he just came down, and I think there was this hilarious moment where we're backstage, like before you know, ten minutes before the show, and we're like a bit nervous, and a manager uh, like came in the door and was like. Guys, don't freak out. Just don't freak out. But yeah. Liam Liam Gallagher is in the building and just closed the door. And we're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> we don't know that. I hope I don't catch a glimpse of him from the stage. I don't want to see. Yeah. Anyway. I, I just get the impression that Matt's going to come back because I feel like there's this well of stories that have just like, we just, we just tap, <laughs> tap the surface yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting that feeling. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're, just, we're just chipping away at the scab. So we much can edit here. them out, right? If, we tell, if I tell them <laughs> That's any right. inappropriate ones. Maybe just tell ones. them all yeah. and then we'll just edit them <laughs> in Just get the lawyers yeah. to vet. Matt Redlick yeah. stories. We'll just have a new segment. Yeah, yeah. We'll the Matt Redlick files. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's move on and uh, let's get into the Instagram like of the week. What do you reckon? Let's go. All right. So here at the All Music Is Good podcast, we always like to rub up against things that are fashionable and hip and mainly because there's two older gentlemen slightly beyond the prime of their life. We've all, we're probably not that welcome in these spaces anymore, Eric. That's true. Cancelled. That's right. As such, we give you the Instagram like of the week. It's a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we have come across amidst scrolling the Instagram accounts of, you know, family members, Matt Redlick's page, uh, communist boxes, <laughs> as Eric is wont to do. Um, have we found any more communist boxes I this have, week? I've got a good one. Okay, we'll save it for another week. Yep. Could be a long story. Um each week, I find a new account for us to follow, and I invite Arik and our celebrity guest to guess what this mystery account may be via a series of cryptic and not-so-cryptic clues. Um, we're running at a total of 15 accounts. Still, my favourites are VJ Singh, the uh, Fijian golfer. Um, Jessica Watson has been posting recently. Vanderbeek's pretty prolific. James Vanderbeek does post a lot. Kerry-Ann Kennelly has got a very good uh, Instagram game going on as of late but i think i'll kick what ricky ricciardo not too busy daniel ricciardo's off season so he's probably not really um yeah he's probably just getting ready for the for the season formula one season (laughs) so anyway um our 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 instagram follow this week um this man was born in melbourne in the melbourne suburb of williamstown but due to chronic asthma as a child the family moved him up to the gold coast mark philippusis no no he always he always stayed in Williamstown. <laughs> okay, damn yeah. it. Okay. Um, he attended school and university in Queensland. He studied both law and journalism before dropping out to become a real estate agent. He was campaign director for the Australian National Party in 1983 and spokesman in 86 and received life membership to the National Party in 1992, but handed it back in 2012 after disputes with the federal coalition leadership at the time. Alan Bond? I think he was dead by 92, was he? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Not sure. So It's not Alan Bond. It's not Mark Philippoussis. <laughs> but here, you sort of, you know, we're in the ballpark, but we're always in this ballpark anyway. Oh, I think Matt, I'm getting some eyebrow raises from Matt over here. Oh, no, no. They're purely 
coincidental. Okay. <laughs> I've got no idea. He's perhaps best known for flying under the radar as a businessman. For a lot of his career, he, he spent um, time buying up large purchases of land in Australia and leasing them to the Chinese government. Whoa. I'm just also really curious to know what is on this Instagram, but continue. Um, he's represented his local electorate as a senator in federal parliament and at one stage... Ah has also um, owned a dinosaur-themed golf course. Clive oh, Palmer. Right. Here we go. Are we, I we've to got get Clive there. I mean, Palmer. We have, we are, this week we're adding to our to our celebrity Instagram followers <laughs> for the All Music Is Good podcast, Clive Palmer. Clive Palmer. I've got, I've got, a, I've got some... Inf- like, there was a really interesting thing. <laughs> a really and, interesting Clive Palmer story. No, no, no. It's not necessarily just a story, but just like this is kind of just how... And I, I, Matt, I'd be curious to get your take on this about this kind of like Melbourne echo chamber of sorts but it was the federal election was 2019 and like everything in my lens like radar was like mate like shorten's gonna just stroll into into Mm -hmm. this right Mm -hmm. and about two weeks out from the election i flew up to brisbane i i was working there for about two weeks and the amount of clive palmer signage Mm. all through that city Mm. literally was like made me realize holy shit like this is we. This is there's a game here, and right, and yeah. Clive Palmer is going to be a big fucking factor here. And mm. just thinking about strategically targeting, yeah, absolutely. But we're talking like f- four to five full page ads. Well, I think he's been in every million in every newspaper edition. Campaigning. Yeah, that's true. And those favors got to come back somehow. Yeah. Anyway, I was up in uh, Coolum, climbing Mount Coolum over over January. That's mm-hmm. it's not really. Um, a celebrity story, but like, as, as I climbed Mount Coolum and you look down over the golf course that's not um, active anymore, but the houses, they can't sell it because the houses in the middle of the golf course, people still live there and they're worth a heap of money. So like he's stuck with- Is that his golf, golf course? Yeah, it was his, I think it is, I don't know if he's still fully Isn't where he had the dinosaur park as yeah, well? Yeah, that's where the, di- the dinosaur golf course. Rusty dinosaurs and yeah, stuff Yeah, they're all around. rusting yeah. away and there's yeah. no golf and the dinosaurs are just sort of- Becoming extinct. How's um, his Titanic going? Oh, what? what, what Did you what? hear about oh, that? He that, was building a replica of the Titanic. Wasn't that was a while ago, wasn't it? That yeah, was a while ago. Yeah, but yeah, these yeah. things take a long time. You, know? <laughs> you don't build a Titanic replica in a day. Well, when you got the Chinese government on side, you know anything is possible. Yeah. anything is possible. Um, welcome, Clive Palmer. So um, he followed you guys. No, no we no, followed no, him. We followed oh, you him. followed him. Yeah, okay, sorry. right. Yeah. So what is on the Instagram? That would be a real mystery. <laughs> <laughs> right, it'd be a bit worrying. It would be actually really concerning. But he's I mean, look, a, he's we, attempting to influence the, the politics the, between you two, possibly. Look, I mean, we we uh, whilst we try and kind of yeah, that. whilst we try and hold like a skerrick of integrity, we certainly do have a price, and this podcast could certainly <laughs> is it less shift. than sixty million dollars. Yeah, it's definitely less than sixty million dollars. Well, and we, it's it's not an election year this year, so you know. Well, it could well be an election this oh, year. Oh, could it be? Yeah, oh, apparently. Okay. Anyway, we um, we talked enough about American politics without sort of deep diving into Australian politics. Um, I think we uh, we call an end to this and we get on and review a couple of albums. We'll be back in a second.
so the first album we've got for you tonight is by Australian artist Odette, and the album is called Herald. Georgia Sully Banks, known to audiences, Odette is an English-born, Sydney-raised Australian singer-songwriter. She released her first album, To Be a Stranger, in 2018, and it immediately connected with audiences and was nominated for Best Adult Contemporary Album Release and Breakthrough Artist Release at that year's Arias. What do you reckon when you're a 22-year-old <laughs> artist getting nominated for Adult Contemporary? There's not, there's not wow. much further to go, really. That's kind of... You're definitely in this sunset. <laughs> it's, it's that must be why I like her. Oh, <laughs> well, yes. As, as older gentlemen. Oh, uh, dear. Maybe that's why we connect. Um, that's terrifying. <laughs> look, I've seen a fair bit of press about this release, and look, knowing nothing about Adet, um, I you just got the vibe from the press releases that there was, there was vibe about this album, uh, and it was something I wanted to check out. So, look, the big thing that I sort of dove into when I was looking at this album was it was produced by six-time Grammy-nominated UK producer Damien Taylor, who um, whose credits include Bjork, The Killers, Arcade Fire, yes. and our old favourite Arik, Evanescence. Um, <laughs> originally, um, he was an engineer working out of Brixton. Um, he became an unofficial member of Uncle, producing um, dance floor bangers for James Lavelle. Um, to play at the weekend at the Mega Club Fabric. Um, and this led to work with The Prodigy. Um, he was the engineer on Always Outnumbered, Never Outgunned. Um, in 2005, he became uh, the in-house engineer for Bjork, um, spending six years with her, recording uh, two albums before building his own studio, where he got into artist development. And he now lives in LA. Um, and it turns out that he was involved in Odette's first album and as an artist development and has played a big role in her career. So once I found that out, like it meant straight away I had to listen to her first album as well, which was pretty good. Like, you know, it was, it was really good. I could see, you know, what the hype was about. Um, so, look, the first thing that stuck out to me um, on this album was the similarities with her voice to UK Meg artist Adele. I don't know if anyone... Are we getting that at all? 100%. Like... It was reminding me of the song um, Water Under the Bridge, like especially this one, this song, um, some of the melody lines, which I've always thought Water Under the Bridge was called Into the Breach. And so that was really good to go back and work out that I was getting the lyrics wrong for that song. And so uh, did you ever get it confused with um, Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge? Uh, no, no, Into the Breach, <laughs> Under the Bridge, no, I never got no, Into the Breach. No, no, I never got that confused <laughs> with that. Um, uh, look... It really makes it hard to compare songs when you don't know the name of the songs and like you have to trawl through three Adele albums to confirm a theory. Um, and I had to go through. I started, I thought maybe it was off 19 and then I thought, I thought maybe she did albums every seven years, like it was 1926, but it's 1921. Satin Returns and kind of a vibe. Anyway, it was deep. I mean, I had to go listen to a lot of Holly Holly albums and U2 albums and now I was listening to Adele and I, I still hadn't listened to any of the albums that we were supposed to be listening to. Um but, like, you know, I don't think it's a bad comparison, Adele. Like, you know, if more people sounded like Adele, like, I think the world would be a, a good place. Anyway, we've got that first track, which was we've, which we just heard underneath, um, Harold. Um, it's got the four, uh, four to the floor beat with a heap of lush vocals. You know, it's a nice slice of what I'd call, like, modern indie R&B. Um, mm. um, is, is that a genre? Uh, I, I'm, I think that's, that's a really great question that we could probably open up the floor to once you finish your review. 
Like, and, and that's a single. And like, I think that was the good choice for the single. Like, it's it's the it's the banger on the album. Um, like, uh, we got into Dwell, which sort of developed into a sort of an anthemic kind of a track, which sort of built up. Um, I could see, you know, that had a bit of a Florence and Machine sort of tribal drum sort of vibe. Um, I could hear a lot of these songs working really well in a live, um, in a live setting. Um, but like, you know, after after listening to a lot of the songs, you know, you sort of get that sort of Triple J crossover commercial vibe going on with this album, I was sort of mm. feeling. Um, it's all a bit interesting. It's a little bit quirky, but, you know, there's also it's also catchy and the hooks are there, I think, vocally. Um, I really like Trial by Fire, which is a good example of what I just described. Mm. Um, look, for me, a lot of the songs sat in the same key um, and tempo. Um but you know the vocals are so good and the quality is so good and her range is incredible and she challenges herself lyrically I mean and melodically as well I think 100 um, that arpeggiated the arpeggiated runs in that song um, you know miss you um, were just incredible I thought it was really good um, the track why um, kind of let the sunset was was a standout song for me um, um, you know, it's obviously a relationship breakdown track. Um, it's deep on the feels. The string line over the um, over the title line was like beautiful. Um, and for me, I think this was a song that I connected with, apart from uh, Harold. And we got to the end of the song. I'm sort of kind of feeling like the album had sort of revealed itself, and um, got the vibe that this could be quite big internationally. This album, um, and it just probably feels like it just needs that track to connect and cross over. Like maybe it needs a sync or something. And I just think that this album could go quite stratospheric. Um, probably need a couple more listens to this. And I think I probably will listen to it a few more times. Um, but, you know, yeah, I got to the end of the album. I'm still feeling the sort of the Adele vibes, um, which was which was great. And I didn't feel stupid about, you know, picking up on it from the start. Um, I was slightly bummed that the um, there wasn't more dance floor bangers after that Herald because I just thought that was incredible. Um and I would have liked to hear more of that. Um, but I thought, you know, it's a really focused and polished Australian album made by a guy who obviously knows what he's doing um, on the international stage. Um, and I think, you know, there's a global pl- platform for it. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was impressive. Mm. I, uh, I I second a lot of what you just uh, spoke about. Um, my notes was like, overall, I absolutely love this album. I thought the songwriting is just really, really like interesting and the vocal performances are just out of control. Um, I really loved the kind of angular sort of chord progressions that she's gone with, which is, you know, it's still poppy, but it's, there's some, there's a bit of, I don't know, there's a bit of interest in kind of the composition and the production from top to tail is just brilliant. Um, I I reckon I've got a feeling that this might be my favourite Australian record for the year so far, and I reckon it'll be hard to beat. Have we listened to any Australian albums? Well, we so far? did because we've got a Jared James record coming up. Right, um, smartass. <laughs> um, for me, in terms of the vocals, uh, I would also second the Adele comparison, but also kind of heard a bit of Sia type phrasing and yep. and actually the way she wrote the melodies, like these kinds of like short sharp grabs of the vocal seemed quite Sia-esque, but the delivery had this Adele vibe to it. Um, uh, Trial by Fire for me uh, was the one that that immediately grabbed me. I, I thought 
that the, I loved the, the kind of interplay, interplay between the piano and the percussion in the production, which was a Damien Taylor job. Um, and, you know, he's clearly clearly got the skills. Um, what I Know Is Not Enough also had a really great Sia vibe. I, I, I thought the, 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 the storytelling is just a really big part of how she writes her lyrics. Um, there was a really cool synth sound in there, like this sort of lo-fi synth. And then, like, out of nowhere, this woodwind section with, like, clarinet and flute mm. shows up, yeah, which is just quirky. super quirky. But that quirkiness, excuse me, that quirkiness seemed to, like, increase throughout the album where it almost hit, like, a Amanda, there was almost like an Amanda Palmer oh, yeah, yeah. type thing going. Yep. And, um, like, I, like, it's interesting, you said UK, I feel like this is really quite American sounding this record oh, no, um, i think i just said there was the florence and machine sort of beats you know some of the right, tribalness right. the london grammar sort of you know that the, the you know the tom sort of sure what's the uh stream do you know the, what's the brisbane band shepherd shepherd you know, oh yeah, of, yeah 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 i love they love the toms um we uh yeah i thought so what i what i know is not enough again i love the chorus and i feel that that's gonna be a really successful song <coughs> do you think there was a do you think there's a single there on I, I don't think there is a standout single yet. I don't mm. think there's a single that like makes her a global superstar. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's interesting because it is super poppy and I can hear it like as much on like a Nova FM in Australia yeah, as, as you could as a on a Triple J. J. Yeah, exactly. It's um, really but it doesn't have the it doesn't have the worldwide hit for me just yet. But I did think that Fever Break was another absolute monster tune that was produced by Hermitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I think also he's a Sydney, Sydney producer. And I think it's just kind of like got me really excited in that like I guess like a, a producer, like a Sydney producer that's got to kind of level up against like this world-class international like Damien Taylor, mm. like he met the mark and yeah. and it sounds awesome. And and what, what I feel, that what excites me um, around these kind of bigger pop Australian releases is that it's forcing the industry to to meet that moment. Totally. And we talked about that last year, didn't we, with a couple of releases that, you know, you've got to stand up and meet the mark because you've yeah. got, it's not just Australia that you're marketing towards. It's like, it's the Spotify, it's, you know, it's global. That's right. So the, but the, big, the big question I had for you was, was um, Fever Break to me was actually my favourite song, um, but it did start with a pretty long spoken word intro. Yeah, I probably skipped over that one, I would say. Okay. I, I haven't got it written here, so it, it was, uh, look, I, I will say I was listening to this album while watching uh, Under 15's Cricket on uh, okay. Sunday morning. <laughs> That was your soundtrack. That was yeah. my soundtrack. That was that was the sync. Yeah. Maybe in relation to sync, she could potentially uh, Maybe be T twenty. Yeah, T twenty. T twenty syncs. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, well, if you get the Indian money in there, that could mate. You could are flying. A, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking now. Yeah, you are the all business. Um, Matt, what about you? <laughs> well, you, you know, I, th- I think you, you you. We all probably think about why we like things and why we don't like things. And I think there's a sort of an alchemic sort of part of it that you can never quite put into words. But, uh, you know, listening to you guys talk about it, um, there was some ringing some bells. You know, I'm a a big Adele fan, at least of her voice and, you know, of some of her songs. I think she's just one of the best singers uh, in the world at the moment. Um, and yeah, uh, Adette totally does have an Adele thing going on. I sort of hadn't picked that up. So that was, that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it, a lot of it comes down to uh, just liking someone's voice. Um, and then, you know, if you like their voice and then you, you, you seem to like their sort of musical mind as well, which I, 
I seem to do, you know, the, just the chord progressions and melodies and things she's doing. They're really interesting, but they're also really catchy um, at the same time yeah. and just sort of powerful. There's this sort of epic, the epicness, but with, with an intelligence uh, in it as well. So it's not sort of like uh, glossing over, um, you know, there's, there's, comp- there's sort of complexity uh, uh, kind of granulated in there with the sort of like the, the, the wide vistas and, and scapes that she's kind of painting. Um, and, you know, for a while I, I actually thought it was all produced by Damien Taylor and I was, I was in my mind. I was actually sort of giving him maybe a bit too much credit um, for that, that kind of those that that wideness and that uh, clarity and that sort of space that's there um, in the notes as well as the the sounds. But I actually think that that's a fair bit of it must be coming from her as well because it, there are other producers involved, including Pip Pip Norman um, mm. and Hermitude and this guy called Carter Mans- Manchulat. Tell, tell us about him. Well, I think that's that it's <laughs> yeah, exactly, part of a yeah. American bloke. That's all I, all I know, actually. But you, but, uh, you, know, you that, set it up well then to just give us a deep dive on yeah. this guy. <laughs> 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 yeah, eventuate. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll put that in later. <laughs> I remember being impressed with his records, but yeah, um, but but um, yeah, the point is, you know, I think that that giving too much credit to the producers for that w- would be a mistake in this case. Um, uh, I Who think a lot of it must be the- coming from her, you know. Yeah. I think her vocals do the heavy lifting. Yeah, for sure. This album and yeah. the songwriting, and I mean, I think you're you're also referring to just some of those broad chords and that space in the yeah, harmony, and like lots of fifths. Yeah. Would that be correct? There's just fifths everywhere, fifth harmonies, and sort of everything's got this power to it. Yeah, and I, I guess one thing that you you know, and I think that so often, especially um, like you know, dude bro producers often kind of think about who produced it. And and that thinking goes well. Oh, the producer must have been in charge of those really sick chords. And then when it's when you start to kind of attach to the fact that this has actually been written by the you know the artist is the only consistent part of this entire record. Yeah, it makes you go well. Hold on a minute. Whoa, you know, like actually maybe she's you know she's overseeing this whole thing. She's the boss mm. here. You know, and it's just it's a nice reminder about just the kind of yeah some of the lenses by which particularly people like myself i would put myself in that category like might look at music and look at the credits and attach the you know the reason why x happened to potentially the wrong person yeah i mean you know who who knows what goes on behind the closed doors obviously but i think you know i think australians we do have this tendency for the for that cultural cringe thing to happen and i think there's maybe a small tendency to assume that the big and you know look the big famous producer who's had decades of success with huge artists is obviously going to have like a big uh, influence on anyone they work mm. with uh, for sure. But, but uh, I think that she's, you know, she's well and truly holding her ground against all these very experienced people who've been around for decades. And she's, you know, in her early twenties, I think still, and it's, it's yeah. pretty impressive. I think she's maybe 24. Like she's, yeah. she's killing it. And so, we, I mean, we listened to a heap of, not great R&B albums last year. In the last three episodes, we've done, you know, the Ariana Grande album, which was really musical and, and quarterly complex with mm. a, with an awesome voice. And then the Jasmine Sullivan album last week. And this one just, it sits, you know, it, it's it's different, but it sonically and you know, talent-wise, she sits 
you know, in in the mm. playing field, I think. And and I mean, you were talking about a potential new genre. What did you call it? Oh, indie, indie R and B, modern indie R and B. I mean, we've got adult contemporary. We've got modern indie R and B, Celtic R and B, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a little bit. Yeah, no, that's with the Florence and the Machine. Yeah, 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 thing, yeah, right? yeah. It's like yeah. Well, you're right. Actually, some of kind of sounds and the like zingy sort of you know. Are you joking? No, no, I'm serious. Yeah, are you talking say melody wise? Yeah, like like is it a Celt? I don't know. I think it could be totally wrong. Yeah, it may well be Celtic. If there's any Celts out there, give us a call. Give us a call. We are we are taking calls live. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear um look i just um i i think there's a lot to i, I mean i was listening to um the australian artist who's in la as well maxwell who no sydney based as well i don't know if you've heard of him there just seems to be a lot of the cultural cringe you're talking about you're talking about in respect to you know not wanting to work with you know the big guys and just keep it local is that what you mean by that oh uh, no maybe just the assumption that you know the the, the australian artist who's working with a big international uh person it's mostly gonna it's you know they're gonna be bringing the special source and the special right. source might still be coming from that local artist uh and you know just in this case i reckon a, a good bit of it probably is you know mm, look mm. the special the special source for me i guess is always like you know that these guys will produce something that will sound good on radio like maybe if the songs mm. aren't there yeah that, that's that's irrelevant but you know that you're gonna like put it on and if the songs are good it's gonna stand up and mm. and and, sure, and play yeah. well and that's you know that's what i think a lot of australian artists are starting to do now are starting to like push up into that mm. we we need to kick it globally I think, and mm. and and that's you know if they can do that, that's good. But yes, it's it's a it's a really really good album. Yeah, I mean think? the other thing I would also mention, which is like we've talked a bit about Melbourne, Sydney, and we haven't talked about Brisbane um, in so much in that conversation. But I'm not surprised that this kind of a record that at this kind of international level came from Sydney and not Melbourne, because right. yeah. I think there is something there is a different way of thinking and working in Sydney, and I think. You know, there'd be less of the, ooh, I don't want it to be this poppy um, mm. thinking. Oh, like, Mel- Melbourneers might cringe at the idea of having an, a crossover. It's definitely unashamed, you know, That's in, right. in everything that it is. It's like not ashamed about anything, is it? It's exactly. Like, it's it's a pop album, isn't it? Yeah. There's, yeah. There's yeah. a poppy yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no punches pulled. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, in this case, it's it's worked perfectly. Like you wouldn't want this to be toned down no, from no. where it is. I don't yeah. think you know. No, you tone it up. If yeah. anything else, if, <laughs> yeah. you know, it could it could have gone more poppy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've dissected this. I think we're all on the same page. I think we should get on to rating it. Arik, do you have a rating scale for us for the week? I do. So um, each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we like to um, basically shout out the unofficial podcast sponsor of the week. Uh, this uh, this sponsor has no knowledge nor um, agreeance to being mentioned in the podcast, but they also contribute nothing except vibe to the podcast. So, <clears throat> without without any more delays, let's get right into it. To the unofficial All Music Is Good podcast sponsor for this week's episode is the Grey Packing Shim, care of Maxim. So let's talk a little bit about the grey. Let's talk a little bit about this grey packing shim. What's uh, a shim? A shim is basically it's kind of like it's like a piece of wood. Like it's used as like a reinforcement. So if you need to hang something off the wall against mm. a wall that's like a bit unstable, so it's a piece of wood. Yeah, but it's not. It's a shim. Right. 
Um, it's like it's like I mean you know I, just for those around. For this is uh, this is an audio thing, so you can't actually see what we're talking about. It's we're the actually, most boring thing I think I've seen in quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. Just looks wise. So just imagine it's nothing. And <laughs> it's, that's, an or- uh, it's an ordinary rectangular uh, ice slab. It's like an off cut. From a that's right, a but it's but it's wood. actually more like plastic. Yeah. Uh, what I'm really enjoying is just that you guys are legitimately handing it around like it's something mm. worth checking out. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, let a little bit about. I guess we're going to talk about the shim shortly, but but really, it's Maxim who is they're the manufacturers, right? Um, what are they known for? So, uh, well, the company was founded by the father of the current managing director and was started in 1954 to import and distribute cleaning machines. FYI, this is off their website and nowhere on the website do they talk about who the actual current managing direct- director is. It's just the father of. Right. Um, it, uh, What's for the cleaning machines? What's the cleaning machine? Uh, we'll get to it. Like washing so machine. its first foray into fasteners was in 1963 when the company was made uh, New South Wales distributor for the plastic expander brand of wall plugs. Maxim's plastic wall plugs replaced the then fiber plug and is still one of the mainstays of its range. Mm. From the early 70s, Maxim gradually increased their range of anchoring systems. Other fastenings such as rivets, screws and bolts came into the range from the mid-80s after dividing off the commercial cleaning machines into a separate company. The complete Maxim range includes 7,500 stock items across anchoring, screws, rivets, silicon and adhesive bolts and nuts, nails, power and gas tools, screwdriver bits and more. You wouldn't want to be a logistics manager at a company like well, that. Well, we're going to get we're going to get to the product list shortly because yeah. I do have it here. Mm. Um, Maxim's Fastening is one of the few truly Australian-owned fastening companies in the country with branches branches operating in Sydney, New South Wales, Melbourne, Victoria, Brisbane and Townsville, Queensland, Perth, WA, Adelaide, South Australia. Maxim also has a fully operational branch in Auckland. They've won numerous industry awards from various building and trade buying groups. And uh, they were honored with supplier of the year. It doesn't say which year. uh, Proving that the company's offering quality products and customer service. So maybe that's an ongoing. great corporate history. Yeah, it's an ongoing supplier of the year type award that just, yeah, you never give up. Due to Maxim's (laughs) ongoing business growth, uh, new warehouse developments have been necessary to keep pace with the continuing demand and ranging expansions. In 2008, a Maxim branch was set up in Townsville, um, and the 2009 the Melbourne branch moved into a brand new 200 square meter premises. 200 square meter? That's not very big. <laughs> Sorry, 2,000 square meter premises. <laughs> 7,000 items. That's big. That's more than this. Studio. We could we could go on, but maybe we won't. <laughs> Um, so do they manufacture it in Australia, or do they just stock no, it? No, they they manufacture it and right. and and they and they do it. And what do they ma- call it? They've got some sort of mold that they just do. They put oh, molds in and they just I don't know, but bang I, out plastic stuff. I've got no idea, but the code is F Shim one five. Just FYI, if you wanted to, you can go to their website if you want to do some extra research about Maxim. Um, they do everything from metal threads, threaded rod accessories, washers, square washers, engineering washers. And then, you know, all kind the of way feel like you've gone on so much about this that we might have a corporate sponsorship <laughs> with these guys. I hope so. <laughs> they, they do dome nuts. I don't know what they are. And they also do hex nuts. Well, dome nuts are just like the dome sort of screws. Right. Like, same with a hex screw. It's like, and what, what does this particular shim yeah, do? Because it? yeah. it's a bloody heavy shim. Like, it I've is a bloody... Seen something that large called a shim before. Yeah. Well, basically... Yeah. Answer I, that. I, I, well, I guess what you'd want to do is... 
um, I guess when I was doing my studio move, um, I needed to hang something off the wall, but I just was a little bit conscious that I didn't feel good to just go straight into the stud mm -hmm. um, and better just use a shim because that would be an extra bit of reinforcement. So I went... Uh, Wait, so you go through the shim into the stud? Sh shim into the stud and then hang shit from the shim. Such and, a waste of time. And we're 48 hours in and it's working out. Yeah, but it would have probably worked out just going into the stud. I don't think so because the plaster makes it all sorts of chaos because the plaster comes undone. Anyways... Well, it depends what sort of plaster you got. How old is the plaster in this well, studio? Well, look, I, I I don't know that. That's for next week's episode. Well, okay. there'll be next week's <laughs> You've been podcast sponsor. You, you just kind of expanded my mind. I never thought about that before. It's a it's a whole new product. I've never right? considered. I've got the same kind of problem in my studio. So uh, right. Don't go with him on it. Come on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Matt. You can don't take encourage the boy. Like as a as, as a, a as a gift. <laughs> And as a, a thank you, you, as a thank you to coming on this week's episode, you can take that oh. shim and uh, take your shim and get well, out it. It didn't here. work that shim, did it? No, no, my shim's already on the wall. Oh, you had too many shims. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can never have enough shims. Oh, I, got, I got, I got four, and I used two because they were so great. I had like you gave him thank one you. beer and a grey shim. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming. So, is that a Slim Dusty song? <laughs> so this week's podcast. <laughs> so this week's uh, podcast, unofficial uh. podcast sponsor is the Grey Shim from Maxim. Well done, Eric. Thanks, Waza. Um, that was a really long intro for something that's so mundane, but we will we will somehow work forward and find a rating scale out of this. So what are we thinking? <laughs> How many shims? I think I've spoken. I've I, spoken enough. I, I think zero shims would be a top score for me. Zero shims? <laughs> it's, it's reverse shims. Okay. <laughs> ten Let's shims, do it. Ten so shims yeah, is yeah, the if, worst. if you need ten shims, then you've got a serious problem. <laughs> I think it's an easy one to do. I think it's so easy zero, to do. So zero out of ten is the top <laughs> right. score. Okay. Well, I think we had to like do this quickly because you just spent ten minutes yeah, talking yeah. about something sure, that's completely irrelevant. And the start of the century theme song is nearly out and I'm not going to like loop anymore. So having said that, um, the Odette album. Look, I reckon I can see going forward that this girl has got serious career and well you don't you don't agree eric <laughs> i'm just really looking forward to the score i'm doing some math i gotta do some serious <laughs> yeah maths. that's right it's brilliant numbers brilliant like <laughs> massive <laughs> career going forward <laughs> zero out of ten i'll <laughs> <laughs> give this a negative two no shims required yeah <laughs> but I, it's changed it for me because it's like like i couldn't I, I couldn't bring myself i could give I could bring myself to give it like a seven out of ten, and I wouldn't yeah. feel too bad. Yeah. But I don't think I could bring myself to, <laughs> to to require her to make her to make, make her need three shims. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that yeah, seems yeah, kind yeah. of oh, too that, much. That does seem seems a lot. kind of cruel. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah you, like, that, like three shims. I might just you, give everything zero even shims. Giving one shim I would never to use her a would shim. Be embarrassing, I think, for me. But. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Matt. It does definitely shake it up. But that's what we're here to do. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear what this girl does. Like, it just as look. God, if the if the hit was here, which it nearly is, but it, it isn't quiet. But if it was here, and that's not all music is good. That's not being because like I only generally I critique albums for two reasons: one because I don't like it, or two because I really like it and I want to like nail down about what I like about it. I think you know one banger would have just this would have been a classic album. Um, nearly there. Um, I'm going to give it three shims. 
Okay. <laughs> three shims three out shims of ten. Three shims out of ten. Three I don't shim- feel bad about saying that. Three shims they're, out they're of gonna ten. They're going to be spread, you know, in, not on top of each other back to back. They're just, they're around. I'm, I'll go next. I uh, I agree with you, Waza. I think um, overall, definitely an album that's going to, I'm like, I in my like my world it won't be something that I put on and go I'm want to go listen to this great Odette record today but I think it's going to be something that I'm going to share with lots of people you're going to shim to it I'm going to shimmy to it um so I would probably also give it uh three shims out of out of a potential 10 shims inverted yeah yeah, yeah, inverted. So yeah. just to reiterate that we are inverting the scoring system. <laughs> right. So Odette only needs three shims for to hang something off the wall. That's right. Good. She's probably yeah. Yep. I'm gonna stop now, Matt. How many shims? I think you were gonna give I'm it three shims too. Actually, the more I think about it, the more I like the rating scale. Actually, it's good. It's it's like you know zero is perfection. Like you don't. There's, no, there's nothing that's we right. can say it's to so you. Simple. Nothing we can give you. You, right. you don't need anything from us. So yeah. zero shims. That's, I like it. He came here tonight not <laughs> thinking that he's going to like the rating scale. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so think, so do we get a zero? Do we get a zero shims out of potential ten for our rating scale this week? I reckon. Uh, <laughs> just. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the context of the of the this is the very place where all the shims are required kind of changes it, right like, <laughs> these are, this is literally how the whole analogy started is the walls in this place need shims so <laughs> they need a lot of shims but yeah I, I maybe only one or two shims you know wow yeah. all right wow. cool like, given that nothing is perfect uh, so we're going to say one and a half shims then. One and a half shims. we got one shim and a half size shim. Oh, hold on. Is this for you guys or for... Oh, no, no. no. Oh, I mean, oh, no, oh, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. happy to be in that oh, same yeah, yeah, category. Yeah. I'm going to... Well, that's interesting. I'm going to have to maybe um, be more harsh on Odette uh, than I am on you guys. But then again, <laughs> I'm not in the same room as Odette right now. So if she was here, it'd probably be one shim max. But, um yeah, I think maybe for me it's the same thing. It's the songwriting. Just, you know, uh, if there were three songs that I couldn't get out of my head on this album, then you'd have to sort of give it a nine or a ten, you know, a, uh, sorry, a, a zero or yeah, a yeah, one. Yeah, or a one. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. But because, you know, and it's being very harsh because it's really impressive in so many levels. It, yeah. It's possible that even her, you know, her vocal prowess and her voice lets her get away with pe- perhaps not having... Totally agree. And, you know, she's adding complexity to, to melodies, which is impressive and it's and I like it. But ultimately, it's like if you sat down and played it at the piano yourself, it wouldn't, you know, yep. stand up quite as well. So, you know, I, maybe three three shims. Three shims. And, you know, that's being a bit harsh. But uh, No, I don't think it's being harsh. I think it's, it's, it's where the albums are. But it's very impressive, you know. I agree. Like, it's actually exciting, I think, that, you know, we're, we're yeah, doing these exciting, albums. Yeah, it is exciting, yeah. Uh, I think it just sets the bar for like you know, Sydney slash Australian uh, songwriters <laughs> that this is this is where the bar is. Meet it. Yeah. This is what you got to do. Do this. Mm, absolutely. Mm, yeah. Um, that's uh, Odette's new album Herald. It's a straight three out of ten across the board. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's fake, you can be it if you say so. Real 
little niggas paid for Push the gaze and then we pay for it. Wasn't made for it. While we navigating in a cage for boundaries for my space, you gotta make yours. Script the So our second album for the week is uh, from Brooklyn-based hip-hop artist Masai, and the album is titled With The Shifts. So, Masai, um, this showed up on my Spotify Discover Weekly, oh, and then I right. went and started digging, and I was like, damn, this is really cool, um, without actually doing much research in, in that moment as to who Masai was. So but you did do the research. So, in preparing for this podcast, okay. I, did, I, I went and actually just tried to find some information about this artist. And it is very, very impossible to find oh. much about this artist. She's ungoogleable, basically. She's basically right? ungoogleable. Yeah. A bit uh, like ungoogleable. Um, um, salt. Yeah, p- p- potentially. Um, uh, yes. So fundamentally, the only things I can tell you about Masai is that she put uh, put out a four track EP called Construction in 2019 on Bandcamp. Um, followed that, that up with Construction Number Two in March 2020. Then a three-track release uh, called Unsounded Points of View in June, on June 5th, 2020. And then followed that up with uh, with The Shifts, which was a 2021 release. There's not much more there apart from who her collaborators are, which are on this particular record, the three producers credited are Laron, Contour and Nelson... Uh, well, it's an, or not Nelson Mandela. I think it was called Nelson Bandela. Um <laughs> Yep. This is definitely not Nelson Mandela that made these beats. Um, uh, so the, twist. <laughs> plot twist. Back from the grave. There is vault <laughs> yeah. on the NPC is Nelson he's got, Mandela. He's got this magic vault of lost beats. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Mandela, like, like Prince. The Mandela vault. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just hang, hanging out in a, in a vault in... What was Prince's... Um, was it Parksley? Uh, Paisley. Paisley Parks. Anyways... Uh, every time I typed in the name Masai, what actually came up was um, a uh, Nilotic ethnic group inhabiting northern, central, and southern Kenya. Yeah. Um, and but it's with Tans- one S, northern, I think. Northern, northern Tanzania. Um, and they're uh, best known as local populations internationally due to their residence near many game parks of African Great Lakes. Um, so they speak the Nuer language, Dinka and Kalanen. <laughs> Um, it's not even spelt the same way. I'm pretty sure it's one S. N- uh, yeah, also true. Mm. <laughs> Another fact. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm I'm assuming that I'm like I don't want to make too many assumptions. But like, that it's a pretty rare word, so potentially there might be some links between this artist and you know some kind of allegiance. But the reason why obviously is that because Facebook shut down Australia this week and Google, so maybe the information wasn't available. That's also most likely. It's actually to do with the (laughs) Facebook news blackout. But um, so look, uh, if anyone knows more about this, please feel free to call or text us whilst we put this show down and uh, we'll we'll, we'll get right back to you. But let's talk about the actual record. Um... So I might just start with my two favorite songs and then kind of give my overall take on the album or mini album. I, I love the song Grace Jones. I'm, it's really, really cool that that's what you led with. Oh, I always pick the best you song. You always do. You, you know, always you know do. I should have been A&R guy in another You should another have. Life. You should have. As well um, as a podcast. I mean, what else? What I? Pitchfork reviewer. Pitchfork reviewer. Yeah. So great. I thought the Grace Jones track was uh, definitely a standout. And the other standout was Nine Lives for me. Um, I love the simplicity of just the hip-hop production, which is just like a rapper over a beat, no bells and whistles. Um, well, I'm getting a bit of a maybe not from Woz. But well, well, you know, well, there's more than beats. There, you know, there's, there's melodic content through most songs. Through most songs, but this, that song in particular, The Nine Lives, was very straight hip-hop. Yeah. Um, Boom-bap. Yeah. 
So for me, this is this is what this is what my takeaway. I was like, the whole vibe gives me a super local vibe. The kind of rapper that if you were in a niche hip hop scene located in Brooklyn, you'd one hundred percent know about this. Like, there's something Trey cool about mm. this artist, you know. Um, the other thing that came to mind was it feels like something that like Spike Lee would chuck in a, in the She's Got to Have It Netflix special. It's like super New York, super current kind of vibe. Um, is that a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Okay, good. Yeah, I think it's hip. Like, mm. um, And then it just kind of aesthetically reminded me a bit of that Quakers record in so much as this sort of lo-fi hip-hop thing. Do you think it was lo-fi? Would you call it lo-fi? What do you find it lo-fi? It sounds to me like a, like a stereo bounce of a beat with a rapper over the top. It's mm. not like a hugely multi-track kind no. of... I mean, you know, obviously there's, you know, super produ- production, but I didn't find it. Fine. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. No, so that, that's my, that's really my take with that. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, again, one of those albums that it whilst cool. whilst like the Odette album, you know, coming in with an average of three shims out of ten, um, would is something that we all kind of universally loved and thought was great. I probably still listen to this album more. Um, mm. but again, that's my relationship with music, which is more a background thing than like something to. Well, it's vibe properly, as well, I think. Yeah, properly engage mm. kind of like with the lyrics or those kinds of things. So, really cool. I just, I kind of just liked whatever was going on. Um, but I didn't love, love it. Like, mm. it's interesting listening back. I, I listened to this three times. The first time I was like, this is amazing. Second time I was like, this is pretty cool. And the third time I was like, this is, a, this is actually kind of okay. And not, not, not necessarily a, a like a, a, a hugely standout album for me. Matt, you, Matt? Yeah, uh, I mean this this one really didn't resonate with me at all, and it kind of uh, made me just just it was pretty obvious that whoever it's for, I'm not that person. <laughs> I don't live in that city, or I'm not in that scene, mm. and it's it's kind of talking a language. It seems like it's kind of talking like a secret code that's meant to uh, communicate with other like-minded um, people from that scene or whatever, and it just it's not talking like to me like a universal musical language um, where like, you know, I, I, I've been a fan of of a lot of hip hop and a lot of wonky beated mm. hip hop yeah. um, when it's done really well. But to me, this was just like every hit on, on in, in every instrument was so off the grid that it just, it, it went into the territory of noise rather than like groove. It was, it was really hard to, um, I would say it was impossible to actually kind of lose myself in the, in the song. Cause there was just nothing to grab onto that, that, that was going to be there where I was expecting it to be, to grab, you know, to grab the next one as it came, came by, whether that was like a, a rhythmic thing or a melodic thing or, or whatever, um, lyric, you know, then obviously that, that could all be the case and you could have incredible lyrics that somehow reach out to you and, and speak to you, um, and that didn't happen either. I'm not saying that they they're not that they're, they're not there. Maybe sounds like you saying that. Don't you think, Eric? Well, let's hear it. Let's hear <laughs> no, it from, sorry, let's hear from him. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. I'm not sure what. Uh, the, the, yeah, there just there just wasn't enough there. It was it was it really reminded me. Like I hate to say it, I sound old saying this, but it, it it there was it was too close to noise. Noise being just random um, fluctuations of sound. You mm. know. Um, and everything there's like everything's on a continuum from like completely regular to noise 
and it was too far on that spectrum towards noise to like make me want to come back to it. I can't remember any any of the songs to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't come up with a favorite track, but it, 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 it did seem that, that was there anything like that you could say? Okay, cool. It's maybe not for me, but is there some like I can see why this might be a cool thing? Like it it it. I reckon. I, I, I did notice or I could sort of decipher like uh, whatever it was, it was it was that quite a lot. Like whatever thing it is, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely that. <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't, you know uh, yeah, it was it was a it was there was a unified sort of mind um, behind it. It wasn't like a random assortment of um, styles and, and things. It was trying to tell it was it had a vibe. Like it, it was definitely do, had it was, a vibe. It was doing a thing. It was and doing it, a and thing. it did that consistently. C- consistently and maybe well. And, yeah. and I, I wouldn't say it didn't do it well. Yeah. It's just that it uh, I I can't didn't can't lie to. and, and no, come, no. you know come up with emotions that weren't there. Just it, it was completely emotionless for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, we don't so, want you to lie. That's, that's yeah. not the point. Yeah, no, that's yeah, no I mean, uh, but you know, more and apparently like Pitchfork likes her and oh really um, okay. Oh, so you did find some stuff. I tried. I was trying to Google as well. And it was all just like Maasai warriors. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even Maasai music, it's like it's you get the music. Of you do. Maasai, that's right. You know, I so like, Maasai it wrong and should, uh, Spotify this morning. I'm like, oh, surely where was it? I saw it yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. it was a whole lot of different music. But I think, and wasn't it uh, Warp or something, or one of those like super hip kind of record labels, or yeah. maybe they used to be hip. No, uh, they're hip. Yeah, like they were. They were. <laughs> Are Warp still hip? Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flying Lotus. I was flying Lotus. Flying Lotus on Warp still. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know that, that like they got. She seems to have some names behind her who approve of her, which is great. But yeah, not for me. Not for me. I'm sorry. No, 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 no don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. All, <laughs> all music, music is good. Is good. All music is good. All music is good. All music is good. Um, I feel like, you know, there's going to be a lot of shims going up in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I could be that guy in that Spike Lee movie. I could be that guy tonight. Um, <laughs> look, each week we, we always discuss music that we're going to sort of review. And uh, this week, Arik took the lead and I, I was too busy and he just he just... Sent it out on Spotify and... Um, and it was done. I clicked the link and it was done. There was no discussion. <laughs> it was just done. And uh, I clicked it and it started and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this. This is really good. And like, you know, the Grace Jones track was was out. It was, it was banging. Um, and look... I could go on. Like, I've written a fair few notes about this. Like, you know, the um, To Fly reminded me of like a Bilal cut. Um... I like the jazziness of it. Uh, I really liked everything about this record. So, I mean, wow. this is really this I, is really cool because I, like before you go on was like I could be that person. But who, I, I'd love to kind of like hear just like Matt's mentioned things like noise and no anchor, and I'd love to get your take mm. on where your anchor points are. And I, know, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get any of that. Like I didn't find mm. that it was. You know, it was. You know, there was some wonkiness to it, but um, um. I don't know. That's that that resonates with me. It was it was resonating with me. Like I, I was sort of feeling that sort of that that maybe that's my groove. Like maybe that's yeah. like a, like I walk to that sort of groove. Maybe that's a nice strutting sort of pace for me. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just um, you, like as you said, like it, it is a hundred percent vibe this album. But I I loved the vibe that she's putting down. Like I mean, I like them. Um, you know, we talk. A lot about um, you know rap, you know rap albums over beats, and how we you and I don't like that so much. Um, and there was a song. Which song was it? Um, I think I've written it down. Uh, Wait, you're saying like rap, like 
we like rapper over beat. No, we don't like rap over beat without melody or anything to sort of like hold your hat to. Like, you know, mm. there's no sort of even hints of melody that you can sort of, you know, imagine in your brain. Like, okay, it's not fully there, but I can hear what it is. And like, you know, I, I keep thinking back to sort of tricky albums where, um, you know, there's, there was hints of melody and he's rapping and you can't sort of, it's not it's not all there melodically, but there's just a hint of it where you can play. It's like a choose your own adventure in your brain. You can hear the melody playing um, playing in your head. And like on Cozy, I really liked it. You know, it just felt like an early tricky joint. I really liked the horn sample in Nine Lives, um, the shifts. I just I just thought it was all banging. Um, and I just thought her her the frequency frequency of her vocals were just cutting through the yep, mix. Right, yeah. um, and I loved it. Like it was up front. Um, you know, I was getting sort of, you know, Erica Badu vibes about it. You know, like I mean, I just I feel stupid to sort of reference Sampa because, you know, she's the sort of, you know, the Australian girl made good, but like I was getting sort of crosses between um Sampa and Erica Badu and I just it just was feeling really great. And I I loved it. Mm. And I I feel like I want to talk more about um what it is that I loved in a more technical sense, but I don't think I can. I think I was just, mm, yeah. I just, I just vibed on it like from start to finish, yeah. and I loved it. Yeah. Well, that's um. So we're a bit of we're around the board here. So I might go first with my rating scale. Um, <clears throat> again, one of like one of those albums that like I'll I'll well, listen back second. to. Is it is it an album? Well, it's seven tracks, so it's an album. Well. It's uh, it's seventeen minutes. It's seventeen minutes, but it's still an album. Well, mm. it, yeah. I mean, we talked about this. I think last week. Yeah, like okay. Thirty-eight we, minutes is about regular. Well, I mean, one thing I would say is that like, there's no fat on any of these songs, are there? Like, no, it, it's, it's just, it just like we're in and we're out. That's and, right. Like it's like, like yeah, I would I would use the term, or killer. No all, ki- all killer, no filler. For yeah, I'll hear that. I'll that's that. what I'm feeling. Yeah, I well, think that's as aptly described for this all, album. Like, it, it, it's sort of like a lot to be said about like you know. I'm in, I'm doing my thing, and then I'm getting out. Yeah, and then yeah. I don't need to go to a bridge or I don't need this. Or it's kind of like, I like that da- aspect of it too, but for a different reason. So, <laughs> so it's like the, it's like, it's all like, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, no, could, you don't have to be sorry, it's yeah. fine. You no, could it's call good. it like the Darren Jarman effect. What, what did he do? Just like, which is like he's in and then he's out. Like, uh, bang, I, don't, I can't talk about that. Six sorry. goals. No, let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, okay. It's for another podcast. Sorry. Um, uh, okay, sorry, I interrupted. Go back to your shims. How many shims? Yeah. I might just go with where I where I was when I listened to it last, as opposed to being influenced by your enthusiasm and Matt's not as enthusiastic. Well, if you had a, if you had gone back to when you listened to it first and then added my enthusiasm in, then I, then it would be, then it would, maybe you should shim, give two it would, scores. It would score more highly on the shim scale. Right, okay. So on first listen, you mean lower on the shim scale? Yeah, it'd be lower on the shim scale. Yeah. So on first listen, I was like, oh my god, no shims, like <laughs> zero shims out of ten. This is so great. Um, and then I, you know, like, again, it was one of those things where I, you know, paid for my girlfriend. She's like, can we change the music? <laughs> and, and that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a really, that's, that's a hard to get one. over, isn't it? It's hard this to what get we're over. doing on this podcast now. No, but no, but it's, no, but it's just, but the point is like, I think there's, there's a, there's a reason for that, those kinds of takes because, you know, like, yeah, I guess you can say, yeah, I don't know, vibe. Sometimes you need more than just vibe. Sometimes you need more than just it makes me feel kind of cool. Like, mm. do I, you know, like, yeah. If, if I, I was said, still it, DJing, I'd be putting this on everywhere. Sure. I'd be playing this out all over the place. Yeah. 
But you wouldn't at be a, at a restaurant at a rich at a fancy restaurant. At a fa- yeah, fancy yeah. fancy restaurant. DJ set. DJ yeah. set. Fancy yeah. restaurant. DJ set. Um, so I'm gonna score this. I'm gonna score this a. I'm gonna just sit right in the middle. Five shims. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah. Five shims out of a potential ten shims. Matt. This is a. It's a tough one as well, though, because you know, I think I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say five shims, but wow. it also, it's also like. Uh, I don't. I can't. None of my shims are, g- are going to make sense to this. This person's doing a thing that doesn't require shims from me. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. clearly she's like. You don't know that though. Like, don't I'm, talk yourself. I'm down. using shims to put up, you know, stuff on the wall, and she's like making breakfast over here. It's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, two yeah, different yeah. things. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a bit. But yeah, I don't, like having said that, you know, I don't think that this is going to be remembered in like 20 years or 30 years. I agree. Um, what, what, I don't think people are going to be like doing covers of this on YouTube. Um, no. Well, it might be remembered. And, you might but, put but, it back uh, on uh, uh, Yeah. Look. and say, hey, that was real 2021. That was That is but, a definitely yeah, t- a possibly. 2021 post-COVID possibly. album. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, yeah. just to Matt's point, perhaps if you've, I mean, like one thing that we, you know, you didn't account for is that Maxim make a whole range of products. So, um, you know, you could like whilst she whilst you have a shim, she might be having a Harlock hex nut. Yeah, and, and you need both of those and things you need to both make, of those make things. a building. <laughs> That's right. Or to make yeah to yeah. <laughs> so I can live and let live, you know, in that regard. But I think yeah, five shims is a pretty good. I think that's know, really good considering yeah. what how Where, you're going. Because zero shims would be like I, I don't even ten. know what this like. This doesn't have a vibe. This is you just a, shim, a confused mess. That would be zero. Sh- uh, sorry, ten, ten, ten shims. Yeah, yeah. Ten shims. It felt like a ten know. shim so, as you were talking, but yeah, no, it's not that bad. bad. It's I'm not that happy. bad. Yeah, no. but I guess I guess the interesting thing about um, this rating scale is like ten shims is like um, that you know that like yeah, there's nothing going on, but the shimness of this whole rating scale is basically it is kind of changing the way you look at it, which is like you don't need me or my ideas or my thoughts or my opinions, and thus I'm going to give you zero shims. Yeah, you it is playing I mean? with my brain. I could. I could definitely give her zero shims from that point of view. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but you know, like we're, we're we've got a rating scale, so we, yeah, we can't just right. cop out. I don't think you know. Oh, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Realistically. Um, okay, so like every week, Arik said, "I hear what you're saying. I've taken all that into account, and then fuck it, I'm just going to give it what I think." And so I'm just going to give it one shim. Damn like wow. I, I fantastic. I love it. Like I just think it's great, Very good. and I don't care what the fuck you guys think. I think it's really <laughs> See, good. That's that's way better than if we all just agreed, because that's going to make me go back and listen to it again. To be honest, if after, we all I've, agreed, after I've talked, yeah, yeah, maybe you should. Maybe yeah. we should put it on the studio. Yeah, we'll when we're having on, a break put now. It on when yeah. we wrap. Yeah. Okay. All awesome. Right. So that's uh, that is uh, massage with the shifts, not with the shims, with the shifts. I can feel it coming tonight. 
So our third album for this week's episode is Jared James's second album and it's titled PM. So Jared James is a Brisbane-born artist best known for the massive track from 2015, Do You Remember, which snared him um, an aria for Best Pop Release. PM is, his, as I said, his second album. So just a bit about, uh, just I guess, you know, a bit about Jared James is he took his time to record this album. Uh, I guess we've, we're six years between major releases. Uh, the journey between albums number one uh, and two bring that six years to a close with musical discovery and personal growth. Glimpses of which uh, were seen on the 2016 High EP and a few singles to emerge since he returned with a slow motion single back in 2019. He met with new producers and songwriters, the esteemed Clams Casino, Malay Ho, who's the Frank Ocean producer. Um, Francis Got Heat, which is Drake and Travis Scott's producer, and Joel Little, uh, famously known for the Lord collab and also Khalid, and reflected on the world around him, bolstering his songwriting with deeper meanings and newfound experiences that charged his work with new energies. Let's get into it. So, um, hey, so did you say Frank Ocean producer was on this? Which Malay. Which songs yeah. did he so produce? Because I was I'm actually gonna, getting some Frank I'm Ocean. Gonna talk, I'm going to talk about this because I think this is actually really, really interesting. Um, uh, well, maybe I'll start there. So, the most un-Frank Ocean song on the whole record was the one that Frank Ocean's producer produced. <laughs> which which and one I was th- it? Um, it was it was called Problems. Ah, and and. It made me wonder whether Malay would have been conscious not to go too close to Frank Ocean. That was the one with the um over the overdriven a, drums. That yeah, really, like, and it's kind of four to the floory. Yeah, and it sounds nothing like a Frank Ocean track. Whereas the entire record just gave me like, oh, this mm. is the kind of a Frank Ocean vibe for sure. So, uh, you know, potentially the label was like, okay, let's get Frank Ocean to produce and make a Frank Ocean sounding record, and Mal- Malay might have been like. Bro, I'm not, I'm not bringing that to this. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. for one artist, and that's you know yeah. Frank Ocean. So, the interesting take. Would love to kind of open that up into a discussion as well. Thinking about when producers get brought on to recreate a sound, but that sounds actually fundamentally the sound of th- their work and their friends' work. So, why would they just grab it and chuck it on someone else's stuff? Mm. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, my favorite song is actually the one that we're we're listening to now, Let It Go, produced by M Phases. Um I thought just great songwriting and and once again just another really awesome kind of level up. M Phases, I guess, you know, we we claim him as our own as, as an Australian guy, but you know, American born and has been kind of really one of the sort of superstar producers in this country for quite some time and what's really cool about this is he's, you know, just continuing to level up like it's not going down it's he's still super fresh still super current and that's just makes me really happy to happy basically um uh I, I guess overall i thought this record will probably end up as a huge triple j record but production wise i feel it's way better than what the station usually programs so it I was having this discussion actually with an artist outside prior to you guys showing up, which is whether or not this might actually be a nice starting line for for more really, really great production showing up on Australia's national broadcaster. Um, 
problems produce Mamalay, as I said. Uh, doesn't sound anything like Frank Ocean. <laughs> um, don't forget is another real standout for me. Um, <clears throat> I love the vocal performance, and I really loved how the vocal was actually treated in that song. Um, what I did notice, which was like this, is on the third listen, was that none of the lyrics seemed to mean anything. Um, mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't like identify a story or a message. It was literally just a set of like cliches for twelve songs, and um and like testify right. So there's 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 only so much like save it, Matt. Great singing, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there's like you can go cool singing, cool voice, cool vibe, cool production, but like mm. you sit with it long enough, and you're like, this is bullshit, like. <laughs> Um, like, 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 you know, you know what you mean? And, and then, and then you look at the press and you're like, you know, he took his time to record album number two and they basically, it reflected on the world that changed around him. I'm like, is that, that's, so that's what the album's about. Newfound experiences. Oh man, we've all worked with music PR people. Who knows how we got to write it? I mean, you know, maybe that's just not a good... Look, yeah, maybe not. It wasn't, wasn't well written. Um, so I mean, look, you can just make up whatever you want. You could have made up a better story than that. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Um, Slow Motion, also produced by Joel Little, is probably going to be the single. Um, and that feels like it's going to be an absolute hit. So, like, power to Jared James. He's going to find great success on this. Um, mm. I think so. I think the hooks are amazing. His voice is amazing. And it's going to do really well. And, and I really do hope it does really well. I just hope that... Um, within that, that it doesn't necessarily get used as like a masterclass in lyric writing. Um, that's my take. Uh, what about you, Was? Yeah, look, I mean, any album that starts with like a Melodyne-tuned lead vocal says to me, just run away at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> but I couldn't do that, could I, Eric? Not with your hamstring injury. No, no my ankle. <laughs> so on that sort of dark note, I uh, I dived in and uh, look, it, the first track didn't do it for me. Miracles mm. didn't do it for me. Um, I do. What was it? Let it go. Oh no, I do. Oh no, let it go. I. I re- that's the song we just played. I really, I really dug that. The dynamics, the color. I mean, the shade was there, and you know, as we said, you know, the Frank Ocean vibes were. That was the first track that I thought, oh, this is a bit Frank Ocean. And then I didn't realize that um, they had that producer involved, but he didn't work on that track. Anyway, um, look, I thought, as you said, the sonic palette on this, the production was pretty outstanding i thought I, I really liked the width of the um of the mix um i thought it was you know there's been a lot of time and care taken on it um i sort of like problems um I like, there was a lot of pretty funky bass playing on this um there was some really sort of nice acoustic bass moments um Look, the overall comment I would say and it's not too far away from you i actually disagree with you like i don't think it is hooky um I think um, the production elements were there. Um, the songwriting's okay, but I just didn't think the lead vocal was doing enough to elevate any of the songs. Um, and that's that's for me where it was let down. Like it, it wasn't, you know, you've got this, these songs to come on and do your thing over the top of, and he wasn't doing that, I didn't think. Like they, they were too monotone. They weren't hooky. They weren't, they weren't at any stage sort of lifting the songs up. Um, and make and taking it to where it needs to go. Like I mean, they're 
you know, would be a really good juxtaposition that we could sort of look at where she just sort of, you know, she t- took, you know, mm. you said it, you know, you said you, these songs, like if you had got a cover singer to sing it, it would just sound bland and boring. But she took this, she used her voice and she elevated the songs to like mm. another level. And he had, I thought he had the opportunity to do this and it didn't, he didn't get there. Um, didn't take it to the next level. Um, so look, I think it's a solid effort. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it didn't, didn't push home for me and i think it could have and it didn't that's it that's it for Mm. me really yeah yeah i mean yeah i think what you guys said about uh his voice and the lyrics probably are the 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 linchpins for me like and again like juxtaposing with adette um you know just the amount of emotional range and dynamics that she brings just with her voice just tonally and uh, you know, dynamically quiet to loud and and melodically, you know, with the kind kinds of you know range of pitches that she can hit, uh, it's so much more expressive. And I think it basically, like what you said, was about uh, you know starting off with that sort of like you know quiet on the mic, auto tuned vocal with the with the imp- like the um, the warbling parts left in intentionally just immediately kind of turned me off because it just says to me like you can't really sing and I know you're doing this intentionally but you're ultimately like you're trying to create some interest uh, in your voice um, with auto-tune like flittering around like a wounded bird um, instead of (laughs) instead of uh, sort of someone who just has a raw talent and voice to do that uh, you know without it and and you know, I was like, pr- I hope you proved me wrong, but he didn't ever prove me wrong uh, from that initial. Uh, but he didn't use it again, did he? Like it was just that first. Yeah, so I mean, he used it, but I not as, like, as yeah, strong not, as he not did. Not to it. that degree. So it's yeah. sort of like, what, why are we doing it for in that first verse, yeah. and then we're not doing it again? Like, was that? I a- think some people really like it's. It's clearly like a fashionable thing, and it has mm. been for years, I guess. But um, and some people actually like the sound of that of of the the flittering thing. I think for me, like every so often in the right context that that like broken auto-tune thing can be cool um but more often than not it's 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 not right um and then you know just the fact that he he, his voice like he has a tonally nice sounding voice like i can see Mm. why he's a successful singer you know like he has that kind of he has a tone that's that's that that you know is kind of in your ear um but yeah just he just can't make me feel anything with it uh and then then you go to the lyrics and i like the lyrics uh I was, <laughs> I was like, everything you said, totally agreed. It was like, what are these? Uh, it's almost like he's taken that approach that um, is often kind of talked up, which I really disagree with. Of like, write, write really general lyrics about, you know, write like if you're gonna write about a, a breakup or something that you had, write it in a way that like could apply to anyone's breakup, and that that can be true. But I reckon a lot of the time it makes most people just come up with a boring generic version of the situation yeah. without any like well, interesting handles to hold on to, you know? Well, what they're doing is really probably tapping into the zeitgeist of what has come before, right? So, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if, if, if I said, hey man, write me a breakup song that could be potentially applicable to everyone's breakup, then what you'd be doing is probably going back into the files of other breakup songs. Yeah. <laughs> you but, know but what I mean? That's the thing so, if you average like, you know, you gotta be careful when you're averaging things out. If you average it out too much, if you if you grind up the the uh <laughs> if you grind up the powder like too fine, it's just like, you know, just dust. It kind of there's there's nothing there's no texture there anymore. Um and it that's 
what it seemed like he was doing with these with the lyrics on this one um having said that you know the production was definitely impressive obviously there are like big names involved i got the frank ocean vibe as well but again frank ocean just has this ability to express with his voice that is just several levels above this so it's like you can get away with a lot of minimal or simplest simple sort of production and backing if you can do what and even like you know the way frank alters his voice and turns his voice into something that doesn't really sound very nice but like somehow he's still able to express through that uh, and and get your attention even and, when he sounds the, like a chipmunk or something and, you and know, the lyrics you know. i mean and, yeah and lyrics yeah for sure you know like i think there's so often and he gets really specific in his lyrics in a way that absolutely. like you, don't right. you might not know what he's talking about but you it makes you want to know because that's right he's like what the, what is this crazy story he's telling like, yeah you know, absolutely um but I wasn't get, getting that from this so much. I, I I think the standout track for me was actually Don't Forget, which apparently it was co-written with uh, Andrew Wyatt. Um, yeah, who who is that? I'm not. I don't really know very much about him, but he's he's one of those guys whose name pops up like around every other cool musician and producer kind of okay. like you know like Mark Ronson and like. Uh, you know the queens of the stone age dude and uh, oh, josh Holm, jo- yeah josh, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. all American, sorts of people like okay, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. he's sort of like this and i think he he was he's in a, this he's, band he's, called mike he's, snow he's a, he's a cool yeah he's a cool guy um <laughs> so i don't know i don't even know what he does i think he's just a good vibe yeah um, so sure, he's, sure a, he's very, ta- very talented but the, it was interesting that the the one um, that i liked was a co-write um with him but even that it was almost the same uh, that one had this great string part that was sort of sounds like a sample yeah that was cool yeah yep um, but even that I found myself thinking like I heard that you hear the hook hook kind of of the string uh, you know that, that particular sample and then it just repeats and it's exactly the same and it's almost like the dumbed down version of what they could have done yeah, with it like right. it needed to you know there was a real paint by numbers yeah it's like it. oh we've got a cool thing just do it again yeah like uh, sometimes that's good sometimes that's boring so so here's an interesting thing Hmm. just around Andrew White and hmm. like my brain is just kind of I mean this goes to the Max Martin um, oh yeah thing uh, last week we talked about Max Martin potentially being the only <laughs> the, the, the only musician in all of Scandinavia <laughs> because that's just where our brain goes but <laughs> basically Andrew White is an American musician singer songwriter born and raised in Manhattan etc 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 he gained wider notability as the front person, lead singer, and guitarist of Swedish band oh, Mike Snow. Yeah, so I'm like, okay. White is kind of the lead singer and co songwriter for the Swedish band Mike Snow. Two degrees of Max Martin. Yeah. yeah. So, maybe, I mean, I'd be very curious to see what the Max Martin connection is. Maybe he's Max Martin under a pseudonym. Well, I think he's also got long hair, so they're probably the same guy. Who's the guy from ELO? He's also on everyone's albums. What's the guy yeah, um, with the hair oh and the God. glasses? Um, yeah. <laughs> Mental blank. He's on uh, everything. Um, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn. Yeah. He's Jeff Lynn. Um, Amazing. So, okay. Also, FYI, Andrew Andrew White co-wrote um, the, uh, the the big one, uh, Lady Gaga, Mark Ronson, um, Shallow. He wrote. He I mean, co-wrote. He co-wrote. What's a co-wrote though? It's like you wrote a line. No, there's what, a few. There's a few co-writers. Lady, with them. Yeah, yeah. He was a hype guy. Hype guy. Sure, it's very good. He's bringing... Bringing coffee in the studio, Lady Gaga, Mark Ronson, Anthony Rosamundo, and Andrew White were the writers there. Anyways, um, interesting. So, should we score this? I think so. Look, I'm going to oh, go first. Um, I'm going to give this. I'm like, okay. I'm going to say this. So, I guess the shim rating scale in this regard is also just because 
I wanted to like this more. Me too. I did as well. Um, and 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 he, I I think Jared James is a brilliant singer, and and it's it's like you know I mean, do you remember as a song for me like 2015? That that literally was like a moment where I was like, I'm proud of Australian pop music. This mm. is just an absolute banger of a tune mm. with cool chord progressions and um and I guess. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the lyrics at that point in time of that song, but so I guess when this came out, it also came on high recommendation from a friend saying you've got to listen to this. It's fucking awesome. And then you sh- you look at the credits. There's like cool people on it. It's a Melbourne crew. So you just really wanted it to be really awesome, and it's just kind of okay. And as such, I give it. Um, I think it needs quite a few more shims to stabilize the wall. I'm going to give it six shims. Right. Six shims. Six shims to stabilize the wall. Six shims. <clears throat> I might let you go, Matt, actually. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think I'd almost have to be um, in some ways more harsh on this one um, because, I, because you know, because I feel like I can identify what I think is like just below par. Like you can write better lyrics, like mm. you can learn or, you, you know, you can work on that Um vocally maybe the range thing is that's just how he sings and that's that's cool and he's doing he's obviously doing a lot with it because he's you know got a successful music career so um what you can't really say much about that um but for me you know it's i mean there was that there was that one song the, the andrew white one that stands out i actually would potentially listen to that again <laughs> But yeah, maybe it's a it's a five shimmer. That's not harsh. I reckon it was way harsher. Um, I, I I sort of are in the same boat as you. Like because of my expectations were high, and well, actually, that's not true. I, I had no expectations when I listened to it, but my expectations were seeing the foundations that were laid out that it should have been more than what it was, and yeah, not taking the easy route seemed to have happened on, on most of the songs and it just was a bit uh missed opportunities um i'm gonna sit where you sit i'm gonna put up five shims and i'll take five shims home with me and um maybe a hexagonal screw are we done i think that's good okay well that's um jared james's album what was it called again sorry p.m Okay, so the last album we have for you this evening is Mad Lib's new album, Sound Ancestors. I actually checked this album out a few weeks ago to review, and like being a massive fan of the man, um, I had a quick skip through it at the time, and on first listen, I actually didn't like it. So I wasn't super keen to put myself through the pain of listening to one of my favorite artists and not deliver it, not seem deliver like a killer piece of work. Um, Look, to be honest, the Mad Lib I know and love is still living in the 90s and early 2000s um, of, you know, Beat Tapes, J-Lib, what else, Quasimodo, Yesterday's New Quintet, 
Shades of Blue. I mean, what, Mad Villain? I mean, geez. The, I mean, the guy doesn't need to prove anything to me. Um, so, look, I mean, the amount of things that he's been on, is it's mind-boggling, it's staggering, and... I mean, when I went to see him play at the Prince of Wales in 2010, which is which which is one of those gigs that everyone talks about, do right? They? I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of an all-time. Well, I mean, um, J Rock gave probably the best 45 single set I've ever seen um, as a support. I can't remember. It wasn't Peanut Butter Wolf who we've talked about this before, but I can't remember who went first. But one was one of the Stones Throw guys. So it was a Stones Stones Throw night, and. Um, Anyway, but Madlib's set wasn't great um, and it sort of seemed to me at the time that he'd moved on from the music that I'd love, that I loved and had sort of gone off in a different direction. And like, I mean, that's understandable because like, you know, you don't want to get stuck in a point of time music-wise because, you know, it's, you know, you've got to move and keep it fresh and, and do things that you want to do. Um, so look, no dramas from my end, um, but I'd sort of called time on Madlib <laughs> around 2010, much as I did with Radiohead before in Rainbows. And, uh, and so, yeah, I haven't listened to anything in a decade. So look, whilst this album is billed as a Madlib solo record, it's been curated, edited and sequenced by, um, Fortet's main man. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kieran Hebden. Kieran Hebden, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so like this is a relationship that dates back for ages because I think he used to do I think he did remixes on the Mad Villain album mm. from memory um, so look with that I mean let's let's talk about the album like it certainly you wouldn't say it comes out all guns blazing would you um, like it's a creeper of an album actually maybe it's not a creeper um, look, I think there's an elusiveness to this whole thing that I couldn't really latch on to um, um, I'm not going to go deep into this. Like, look, the way I imagine Madly, I, I imagine the way I imagine he works is he just sits in his studio and he probably just bangs out beats and just, you know, maybe he just smokes, smokes some weeds, some weeds, smokes some <laughs> weed. <laughs> maybe he smokes Thanks, some Dad. weeds. Thanks, <laughs> Dad. Just smoking some oh, weeds. Geez. It is the last album. Um, and, like, he probably just, just bangs out beats that he feels like doing, gets up, does some beats, you know, whatever. I might send him off to, like, you know, Kern Hebden and, like, maybe you can do something with them. And then maybe, you know, there's 100 beats and mm. puts it together. And, said, These re- and then maybe, <laughs> yeah, like, that yeah, that's day. <laughs> day. And, and maybe then it's, then it's Wednesday and there's another 100 <laughs> and then someone else has to sort through Pro- them. <laughs> and they're probably, like, you know, one-minute grabs or whatever. Yeah. And then, then he just loops them together into something else. This is how I imagine it works for yeah. him. And then Stone's Throw say, you know, hey, you know, let's put out a Madelib album that hasn't been anything for ages. And, like, you know, and then it gets curated, but he's still sitting in his, in his studio smoking weeds and <laughs> <laughs> just doing his thing. What, I mean, what, what would a life like Madlibs look like? Would that be his full-time thing, just oh. sitting around smoking weeds? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Better than shims, Eric. Weeds That's and beats. Weeds, <laughs> weeds and beats and shims and... <laughs> anyway, look... Um, Look, maybe if I smoke some weeds, <laughs> I'd, like this, I'd like this album way more. But look, look, as I said, I've signed off on him. Um, I just didn't think it had the innovation that, you know, and the freshness that he had. Look, there's some lushness and there's some melody, but it's not, it's not pushing my buttons and I don't think it's 
it's not pushing any sort of just, I don't know it's it's not doing what I wanted it to do it's, it's it's quite bland I found and boom bap drums not much else I didn't I didn't love it and so I, I'm just gonna check out on this one and say thanks Mad Lib for everything you've done and thanks for shaking my hand at the gig and I said Mad Lib thanks for the music you said thanks man it was, it was great chat and you went away as a great chat I just said that was a great night I mean it was great legendary apparently anyway I'm going to hand it off to one of you two guys I'm rambling on I should go make some weeds Matt yeah well I think you nailed it um, the one thing I wrote down for this this record was maybe a record best enjoyed while high Yeah. so mm-hmm. I think like in that context and that that's actually not necessarily a bad thing yeah. you know um, there's something to be said for that but I think if you can only enjoy it while you're high that's possibly that says a lot you know um i think the thing is he's done he's just done it before he's done it all before and and it's there's nothing new that i can hear on this record except just infinite variation of the same thing yeah you know they're all new but nothing's new kind of thing um and ironically the maybe the track i like the best which is called latino negro um i think possibly had the least like it was just basically a a great recording of some amazingly played drums and you know, with brushes and like a like a nylon string, string guitar or something, and it was, and I really I was I was like, well, you know, just listening to the original musicians and the original engineers. Well, that's my and po- that's that's like this is the best part of this this record. Yeah, yeah. Um, um what I was gonna say is that like on a good Madlib record, like it would draw you in enough where you'd want to go back and see what the sample yeah, was. Yeah, and it's like, sure. I'm listening to this, I'm like going, I don't even care like yeah. what it is. I'm sure it's really obscure and he <laughs> is dug deep to get these, but yeah. I wasn't really that interested. Yeah, it's like how it's, you know, when you create a very distinctive style in any art or whatever, I guess it's like how many times can you just keep doing that? It might, no matter how cool it is the first time, I w- it always makes me think of, you know, the Duchamp urinal um, sculpture thing where he just, you know, took a urinal and put it upside down in an art gallery when, and just, you know, put a title on it or something. Yeah. And that was like revolutionary at the time. But it's yeah. like you, that's a, just a trick you can only do like once or twice or thrice maybe. And Mad Lib kind of, you know, Mad Lib and like Dilla and yeah. a couple of others kind of invented that in the, in the 90s. And now it's 20 years later. Other, other people, other artists who, you know, like Aphex Twin also invented some crazy shit back then. But if, but, uh, you know, he hasn't sort of requoted himself or, you know, some people might say he has, but mm. if he was just doing window liquor still 20 years later, like new versions of window liquor, like it's, yeah. it's kind of, I wouldn't say sad, but maybe it's to do with the weeds. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> he's yeah. in the weeds. That's the problem. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, buried, in the weeds. he's buried in the weeds. But they're happy in the weeds and yeah, I'm happy for them. I think happy, but, yeah. They've got nothing to prove to me. Like, they're, they're, Oh yeah. He's like, you know, it wouldn't matter what, he's in that category where it wouldn't matter what he did. Yeah. I'd still be like, I'm a Mad Lib fan and massive respect. Um, but yeah. I think it's interesting just thinking about like those comparisons and the, you know, like the, uh, perhaps there's like at times an expectation for artists or sound makers, I guess, you know, I call them sound makers in this instance to sort of like, like change their practice or level up after they've been doing something that's made them hugely mm. successful. Um, so we then kind of have this expectation potentially that, yeah, you're going to progress through your artistry. Um, I just think it's an interesting perspective. I'm, I'm trying to think of anyone that, you know, where, 
like because artists can get panned for reinventing like god forbid madlib was like and now he's co-writing with mariah carey <laughs> you know what i mean and like the amount that of would shit be that, sick though right but the amount oh of shit God. that it would cop, be good actually right it would be good okay <laughs> how could that go wrong <laughs> that couldn't go wrong <laughs> wow there's a whole yeah. new career no, for both you, of them but you're totally right yeah you, you know you're kind it's of damned really if risky. you do where you can't you're damned yeah. if you don't i think i think a mad like this to me is like a, it's like a it's a DJ set, right? You don't mm. need you don't need like put it out as a SoundCloud mixtape or a yeah, you know what I mean. Like if, if this was just like a set from Madlib, then we'd probably all have a very different perspective. Yeah, but if we but thinking about this as like this is a crafted album that thought deep thought yep. has gone into from exactly. start to finish. It's like well, yeah. not by him, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah, or whoever put it all together, right? Yeah, the fortet. The Fortet okay. dude. Mm. So, and I think they've also done... Fortet's done an album where Madlib has contributed to it. And I also listened to that, which I wasn't a massive fan of. So uh. we won't be obviously listening to th- reviewing that in the future. Mm. Look, for me, um, I kind of just liked it. I thought it was, you know, I, I, you know, I felt good listening to it. I'm going to probably... Uh, of all the four albums this from this week's episode, I'll probably listen to this more than any of the other four, but once again, doesn't necessarily impact the shim rating scale. So I thought this was the best sounding one actually. Sounds of all, great. But it's probably because it's all recordings from the from old the days. golden day, you know, age of like, you know, bazillion dollar studios and players who just, you know, ground themselves into the dust to to be able to play the drums like that so that Madlib, you know, so that no one could buy the record and then Madlib could sample yeah, it 40 right. years later. So <laughs> and make money it's off sort of it. like a bit of a damning by faint praise maybe. But yeah, it sonically was beautiful. Yeah, it sounds great. And I loved I loved the, all the samples. I think it was great. I mean, when I say all the samples, that's like the whole record. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to listen back to it. Um, I might start with my shim rating scale. I'm going to shimmy, shimmy way. I guess for me, this is probably f- four shims. Four mm. shims. So I would, I think I would give him four shims to be able to do his best work moving forward. Can I give it no shims? And by no shims, I don't mean zero shims. Like, I just mean no... Like, I mean, you're, just, you're, you're not scoring this album. I don't know I feel like I want to score it because I just don't huh? really... Put it on the record. That's going to be that's going to be going on our Instagram this week. That was I refused to score the album. I just don't unscore. I don't know what there was to score about it. Like there was just nothing. Like it just it just cruised along. Nothing happened. Like oh, I mean, nothing happened. Like stuff things happened, but um, it just wasn't. Ugh. Go on. Uh, let's stay with no score. Let's move on to Matt. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm so gonna, no uh, no score from Waza. No score. Is it too late to change my scores on two of the other albums? Because it's never too late <laughs> because. You know, like I want to give this five shims, but if oh, I give this five shims, I have to give Masai and Jared James six shims. Like I have to derate them a bit because I, I, I have to, you know, I've got to like... No, you can do that. Whether you, it's you can do that. justified and or not, you, I think it's a better piece. It's a better listen than either of those two for me. Until it goes on Instagram. Well, that's it. I, I'd, I'd say right, even so between sure. now and Thursday, you're also welcome to okay, so re-record this from your home <laughs> and send it into Woz. I'll do some calculations. <laughs> and if you can also fix the echo up on RX mic. Yeah, that'd be good as well. That'd be good as well. And I also need some... Yeah, that'd be good. I've got isotopes, so... Okay, so five shims from... Matt, mm-hmm. six shims on the last two albums and four shims from Arik and no score from Was DNF. DNF. So that has been the, uh, what was it, episode 18, was it? 
episode 18. Episode 18 of the All Music Is Good podcast. We are finally adults, grown-ups. No more <laughs> fake ID. Thank you, Matt Redlick, for coming in. Uh, we'd love to have you back again. Oh, and um, was uh, once again holding it down, holding the ship, oh, sailing sailing through the waters. Mate, I was in the weeds for a lot of this episode. You were in the weeds. And we like it when you are in the weeds. You're like our own kind of Moses rising from the River Nile. This has been the All Music is Good podcast. We'll see you next week.